thing all the way live. High Frequency Radio. You're listening to Yusuf L. On the baddest radio network on the planet. High Frequency Radio. Peace to the gods. Peace to the gods. Good morning, everyone. Sorry about that. Peace to the gods. Peace to the gods. You are listening to High Frequency Radio. I'm your host, Yusuf L. It is Tuesday, January 22nd, 2019, broadcasting live from Atlanta, Georgia. Good morning, everyone. I got the chat room open for you. Get everything set up. Y'all can call in. Call in numbers 424-222-5250. Did y'all have uh, problems finding the show or something this morning? I was thinking people probably had trouble finding the show or something this morning. Got a good show lined up for you today. The name of the topic today is what does acceptance for value mean? I decided to uh, kind of go in on this document a little bit today, but hold on, let me see, make sure I, somebody give me a, uh, somebody give me a mic check in the chat room. Somebody give me a mic check, mic check. Make sure everything's coming through okay. What does acceptance for value mean? That's what I'm going in on today. All right, y'all, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming for you. Just give me a... Now... I got a video coming out on this. Hopefully it'll be done by today. And I want to talk a little bit about it because, you know, there, here's the deal. I get a lot of individuals, you know, who, like yeah, there's a lot of naysayers out there. And I want to just give my, my perspective on does this work or does this not work real quick. It don't work for 90% of the people. But let, let's talk about why it doesn't work for 90% of the people. Because the average person, I want y'all to listen to me very, very carefully what I'm about to say. The average person doesn't know what is, uh, doesn't know what's required to discharge debt as far as uh, the level of knowledge you have to have and um the fortitude that you have to go through pushbacks and things like that. 
What I have seen also is I don't see very many people who've actually studied the subject of um, what is acceptance for A for V. Because, you know, they, they you know, I get questions like, um, well, how is it set off? Where does the credit come from? You know, and things like that. And I'll say, well, you know, it's like, I mean, Byron Beers put out a book, I think, that explained it better than anything I've ever read before in my life. And I read this probably about, I don't know, about 10 years ago, 10, 12, 12 13 years ago. It was, it was about around 2007. I read it. And, um, I understood it when I read it the first time. I understood it when I read it the first time. I don't think a lot of people understand it, but the first thing you have to understand is you have to understand public and private. You have to understand what an extension of credit is. Um, you got to understand contract law because he gets into that, uh, a discussion about that a lot. And I'm going to read some, uh, some paragraphs from this, and I'm going to explain what he's talking about in these paragraphs. So you can get a good understanding of what's being uh, talked about. Um, I got a link in the chat. If you're in the chat room, you can follow along. You follow along. I put a link. I put a link in the chat the pdf so you know you in chat room you know you just log in you know you can log in with your facebook account and you know if people want to know how to log in you know and then the chat when you come to you know when you when you come to the stream you know you have to log in you can log in with your facebook account you know you do that at the uh you know at the blog talk main page over there you'll see sign in at the top and you sign in and then you can just sign in with your facebook account or whatever and then it'll give you access to the chat room. In case you're wondering, I get questions like, how do I get access to the chat room? How do I call in? Call the numbers 424-222-5250. Chat room, you have to sign in. You can sign in with your Twitter account or your Facebook account. All right, so... I'm going to read some of this real quick. What is acceptance for value? And I'm going to kind of narrate a little bit because I know, I think this is very important for y'all to understand and know. And it is, what is acceptance for value? What does acceptance for value mean? Millions of people use the phrase acceptance for value every day without knowing what it means and why it is so powerful. You have the right to make personal choices that affect your commercial affairs. You can be in control or you can be controlled. Acceptance for value is one means of being in control. And this is put out by America and the American Connection. It's copyrighted in 2007. It says the author of the book does not give legal advice. Remedies are available if you know where to look for them. The purpose of this book is to reveal and compile the sources of some of these remedies that can be found in millions of pages of case law, statutes, codes, rules, and regulations. That's what made me very first start reading case law when I read that sentence right there. That sentence right there is the reason I started studying case law. That one, if you want to know why I started reading case law, is because of that sentence when I read it. I remember where I was and everything. The book is intended to decrease the time it takes to discover the components of your remedies and their application. It is the responsibility of the readers to understand their remedies, to seek assistance if necessary, and to apply proper and complete concepts to reach a successful conclusion to a dispute. 
This book does not exhaust the information that might be needed to successfully settle a dispute. So there's your caveat right there. And like it says in the maximum of law, many men know many things. No one knows everything. A lot of people, I see they come on my page and everything, act like they know everything. You don't know every fucking thing. All right, it's a maximum of law. It tells you you don't know every damn thing. So, you know, it's why, that's why I get so frustrated with some of these guys because of that maximum of law that many men know many things. No man knows everything. And they come into the forum and act like they want to know everything. You don't know every fucking thing. You don't know everything. All right, let's get back. So right here in, it says, what does acceptance for value mean? Acceptance for value, A for V, is at the foundation of remedies available for commercial demands made by the United States. So many people have attempted to use it to close accounts in the United States. Even so, no one has had a good explanation of what A for V means. Here is an attempt to clarify. Introduction. The Uniform Commercial Code in Article 3 that deals with negotiable instruments is one source of explanation. Article 8 deals with investment securities, and Article 9 deals with secure transactions. In addition to opinions written by judges to shed light on our remedies, there it goes again. He mentions case law again. In addition to opinions, that's case law, written by judges to shed light on our remedies, all three of these articles hold a key to understanding commercial set-offs. The UCC had an overhaul in 2000, but the major principles remain the same. The changes appear to be to the sections that deal with secure transactions, Article 9, and some with investment securities, Article 8. But negotiable instruments are what lead to those securities. The phrase acceptance for value has little coverage in the code books or in the court opinions. A better understanding of commercial terms, acceptance, and value, and how they relate to instruments in general will be a good place to start. I think I've only seen it like one time in a case. The judges use the word acceptance for value because it's not, it's not really a word. They're two separate words. One word is acceptance and value. There is a word called acceptance for honor. There is a word called acceptance for honor. All right. So it gives you the three definitions of acceptance uh, since one, an agreement either by express act or by implication from conduct. Okay. So you have express. You can accept something expressly or by implication, what they call tacit procreation. Silence is acquiescence. So number one, an agreement either by express act or by implication from conduct to the terms of an offer so that a binding contract is formed. If an acceptance modifies the terms or adds new ones, it generally operates as a counteroffer, Black's Law 7th edition. Okay, accept, to receive with approval or satisfaction, to receive with intent to return, Black's Law 4th edition. Acceptance, the taking and receiving of anything in good part and, as it were, a tacit agreement to a preceding act which might have been defeated or voided if such acceptance had not been made. Black's Law 4th edition. A naked acceptance weighs a naked acceptance weighs remedies that are available by waiving defects in the instrument, which is the agreement that is being offered and accepted. Receiving an instrument is an acceptance and a taking. Retention is the basis for a binding contract. If there is a preceding act like a pledge to the United States, altering the terms of the instrument and returning it operates as a counteroffer. Now, he's going to talk about this, uh, uh, this uh, presumption of some pledge to the, to the United States. You're, uh, the United States operates off assumptions and presumptions. And the operational presumption is that you pledged your labor to the United States in payment of the uh, debt. As it says in the 14th Amendment, the debt cannot be questioned. 
That's one of the that's one of the uh, uh, governing clauses of your straw man of that 14th Amendment U.S. citizenship that you cannot question the debt. And every time you go in there and challenge jurisdiction, that's exactly what you're doing. That's exactly what you're doing. So let's keep going. UCC 1-201 general definition, subsection 44, gives the definition of value. Except as otherwise provided with respect to negotiable instruments and bank collections, sections 3-303, 4-210, and 4-211, a person gives value for rights if he acquires them, A, in return for a binding commitment to extend credit or for the extension of immediately available credit, whether or not drawn upon and whether or not a chargeback is provided for in the event of difficulties in collection, or B, as security for or in total or partial satisfaction of a pre-existing claim, or C, by accepting delivery pursuant to a pre-existing contract for purchase, or D, generally, in return for any consideration sufficient to support a simple contract. Now, UCC 1-201, subsection 44, generally says that a person gives value. He gives value to get rights. If one person is giving value, another person is asked to give rights in exchange. And this is why you're going to see that you get rights and people ask for their remedy, you get your rights in a contract. Rights are created through contracts. Took me a while to really kind of understand that, to really get a deep understanding of that, but rights are created through contractual agreements, not through natural law. Natural law gives you the, not rights in the sense of that you get in under positive law. Under positive law. That goes on, it says, both giving value and giving rights meets the element of consideration. The question has to be, what constitutes value? In today's commercial system, where ownership is not the prime focus, interest, rights, in things take the place of ownership as a goal. What are your rights? You have to have an interest in a thing. In a commercial setting. In a commercial setting. In other words, it's just like Rockefeller and all them boys says, own nothing, control everything. They understand it. You are to own nothing and control everything. Rights come from an interest you have in a thing, not in the thing itself. Control trumps ownership. Control trumps ownership. So both giving value and giving rights meets the element of consideration. The question has to be, what constitutes value? In today's commercial system where ownership is not the prime focus, ownership is not the prime focus in today's commercial system because there is no money. So since there is no money, value for money is created in interest in things because we use negotiable instruments and negotiable instruments have to be backed by something. So for it to be able to be backed by something, there has to be an interest in some object or thing, whether it be your body, your labor, your car, your home, whatever. That's how value is obtained in a system that uses negotiable instruments. There's no intrinsic value in any of the money. Okay, a security interest constitutes a right to seize control of a pledged thing. If the one given the security interest fails to perform as agreed, the one given a security interest retains possession of the thing that secures the right of another party to seize possession of the thing that backs the security interest that was given. That's why Gene Keaton was talking about they're drafting you for performance when you go into a courtroom because there's a presumption of a pre-existing contract in existence where you pledged 
where you pledged your labor for the payback of the national debt. And that's an operational presumption, but they have to produce that contract. All right? And this, is, this explains why they have to produce the contract. And if they can't produce the contract, that's why uh, any type of indictment or any other type of negotiable instrument that they are issuing to you, it's issued for value, acceptance for value. All right? So it goes on. UCC 1-201 general definitions, rights, subsection 36, rights. And we're talking about in a commercial setting, includes remedies includes remedies you got already talking about remedies all the time all right rights include remedies rights come from contractual agreements you get rights to agreements this is why it is utterly important for you to understand how to do a administrative process you got to know how to do it you shouldn't even be involved in this that should be the first thing you learn how to do is how to do an administrative process a remedy is a commercial right for those who acquire that right to an instrument. In corporate United States, there must be a written record of everything. Nothing is supposed to be assumed or presumed, but that does not mean assumptions and presumptions are not used every day to acquire rights and enforce them. If the right that is being enforced is a security interest in a tangible or intangible thing, it usually comes from an instrument that is actually supported by the thing. This is usually, but not always, a pledge or promise to relinquish possession of a thing if there is a breach of an agreement. Okay, and one of the things that you, the pledge that's presumed that you will relinquish is your freedom. Is your freedom. Because enforcement of a contract based on an implied promise is weak, an instrument demanding performance on it is an offer to initiate a new contract based on an old antecedent and may be implied or unenforceable contract. If an instrument is based on an intentional written promise to perform and an intentional pledge to relinquish property, it does not have to be issued for value. It is just issued. Pledge to, um, and the original contract with the offeror's right to the pledged property is the consideration that supports the demand. A copy of the written promise and pledge can be attached to the instrument, or the instrument can just refer to the contract by, uh, in its title, number, date, etc., the issuer of the instrument demanding performance supported by, um, supported by a written promise has defenses if the debtor files a complaint against the issuer for making the demand. The issuer can produce the, uh, the, issuer can produce the antecedent contract that contains the intentional promise to perform and the intentional pledge to use tangible or intangible property to secure that performance. If the debtor is aware that he had previously signed a promise and pledge and um, and pledged his right to a thing to guarantee his performance, he would not have to see the contract. The demand instrument is issued to get performance already promised or, in the alternative, to get the thing already pledged. Now, this is one of the most important paragraphs in this thing, though it ain't no highlights on it, because it's explaining to you the, how these operational presumptions work under the United States and what constitutes acceptance for value, what, what is something is issued when there isn't any contract okay you everybody say well where's the contract well contracts come in two forms they come in implied and express implied contracts are weaker than express contracts implied contracts are subject to challenge all right but express contracts aren't because the person can produce the contract if they can't produce the contract this is what you see when you see uh on uh in the ucc howard freeman 
that he's talking about it's an admiralty equity jurisdiction. And if there's a contract, I want you to uh, place that contract into evidence and allow me an opportunity to challenge the validity and veracity of the contents of the document. This is what you see everybody talking about. They want to challenge it for. When you go into the courtroom, you say, you know, Your Honor, uh, I have a question. Is this civil or criminal? Uh, this is criminal. Okay, uh, thank you. Let the record reflect that the uh, charges being brought against the defendant are criminal. Now, sir, for the record, the Constitution of the United States only grants this court two criminal jurisdictions. One is under the common law, and the other constitutes a condition of contract under criminal aspects of a colorable admiralty jurisdiction. Now, sir, for the record, under which two of these jurisdictions is this court trying this criminal action? I because. You know, there's some presumption of are we under some sort of contract or are we under common law? Because to bring me out of a common law venue, which is the venue for private citizens, okay, in the republic, all right, you have to have some sort of contract to bring me into this fictional commercial venue. So is it expressed or implied? If you have an express contract, means it's written with my hand, wet ink, blue handwritten signature on it, where there's valuable consideration given. Always and on their side is the protection of the statutes. Okay, so if you're giving this, okay, let me see it. That's why you're asking that question. Because if they don't have a contract and they hit you with an indictment, that indictment is a bill of exchange and it's issued for value. This is also why you can go into court and request that the judge demand the prosecutor provide uh, the uh, uh, certified audit trail of all transactions including the voucher, as well as all uh, displacement documents and receipts, because there's costs that are involved in all of this. Anytime I'm reading a whole section on Admiralty, and most of the cases are about cost, bonds, cautions, things of that nature, cost. So there's a presumption that you're not interested in it. So to rebut that presumption, you have to state it. For the record, Jonna, could you please direct the prosecutor to provide the assessment for the charges, along with a certified audit trail of all transactions, including voucher, as well as all disbursement documents and receipts? You should have all this stuff on the top of your head. You should have a whole library of things that you didn't remember, that you didn't remembered. a library. You don't have one or two things to go into court and say. You should have about 20, 25 different things memorized. In your, you can remember these goddamn rap songs. Let's keep going. In some cases, there is no pledge to support an instrument. So it must be issued and transferred for value with implied consideration. There is no debtor. The issuer does not have a written instrument to back his demand instrument. If he decides to issue the demand instrument in spite of his lack of authority, he's risking liability on the instrument. If the transfer E, the one who the issuer directs the demand to, that will be you. You're the transfer E. Calls the issuer's bluff. This is what it's talking about in, uh, in uh, creditors and their bonds. Right? They bluffing at you. It's a hot potato game. They're trying to get you to accept liability on the instrument. And you do that by making an appearance. Somebody always asks me, you know, Yusuf, if public and private don't mix, uh, how when we come into the courtroom, uh, do they got jurisdiction? It's called making an appearance. When you don't make an appearance, they can't see or hear you until you appear in the public. 
and you do that either generally or specially. I mean, I get these questions, man. The guy be thinking they be asking it. A smart guy and everything. Like, come on, man. You think I heard that before? I mean, every question you think of asking me, I already heard about 100,000 times. I mean, come on, you know. It's like, <laughs> really? It goes on. Let's get back. So you're the transfer E. The transferor, okay, is the issuer. The transfer E is the recipient. The E is receives. The OR gives. Okay. The issuer, transferer, has no defenses. He has no antecedent contract to attach as consideration for the demand he is sending to the transfer E. That is, now we're going to talk about that's in the case of a prosecutor. The prosecutor would be the transferer. The defendant would be the transfer E. The prosecutor is transferring a negotiable instrument to you in the form of an indictment. But there is no consideration attached to the indictment because he hasn't provided a contract demonstrating how you are obligated to follow these particular statutes. However, there are some minimum contacts because there are implied contracts in the form of driver's license, social security cards, all this. But that don't matter. It's just a presumption. Uh, you can rebut the presumption. I, you know, I say, look, we, I can't rebut an unstated presumption, Yana. Please uh, put the evidence in the record uh, that would demonstrate how I'm liable. I'm liable to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, that I'm beholding to follow these statutes. Please place it into the record so I can allow me an opportunity to review the record and allow me an opportunity to rebut. I cannot rebut an unstated presumption, Your Honor. So that's what it means when it says an antecedent contract. Okay, there had to be a contract prior to this dispute that's going on. When we're in a commercial venue, how do we know we're in a commercial venue? And the feds right there in the indictment, every indictment say that you violated interstate commerce. That comes under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 3. I'm reading all kind of cases right now on this jurisdiction. I got a case right now so good, man, where this judge is breaking down. Uh, these Article One and Article Three courts, these legislative courts versus these judicial courts, and what mean what when when something has judicial cognizance, in other words, it's a private matter or there's some constitutional violation involved in it. Other than that, the Supreme Court just takes appellate jurisdiction to review. This thing is easy once you understand separation of powers, public and private. You got to read the Constitution and read the enumerated powers, not just a couple of them. You hear people always talking about Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17, or Article 4, Section 2, or something like that. You got to read all, look at all their powers. What about Article 1, Section 8, Clause 9? Commerce Clause has caused more litigation in the United States than any other clause in the Constitution. That's what, when you read Supreme Court analysis and interpretation right there in the introduction, like most of y'all don't read the fucking introduction, it'll tell you that. Let me put that in the chat room. 
Y'all see the book I'm talking about? I don't want y'all to think I'm bullshitting. They go to chat. They go to link right there in the chat room. Supreme Court analysis and interpretation. All right. So let's go on. The transfer E is the one who receives the instrument by mail. That's you, transfer E, by process server or by warrant. The transfer E is a target. The issuer is shooting the instrument at the target, hoping the target will just take the shot and agree to become liable on the new offer. The issuer is bluffing. If the transferee recognizes the demand instrument as a bluff, he can call the issuer on the bluff and require the issuer to pay. The transferee actually gains a security interest in the instrument if he recognizes it. This is why when you're reading um, uh, 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 um, dealing with presentments, in the very first page it says it can be an offer that can be a benefit to you. Because once you discover that, you can get a security interest in that particular instrument and make some money off of it. That's what it's talking about. It's also saying why they're bluffing you, okay, because this is why they got their procedures the way they are now. When you come in, you're going to waive arraignment. All right? They do everything they can to seize jurisdiction on you first, get you to waive, take you straight up, you know, and uh, get you to plea. They try to do everything they can to trick you into their jurisdiction before the cat gets out of the bag. If the instrument is issued and transferred for value with implied consideration, the transferee actually acquires a security interest or other lien on the instrument if it were not obtained by judicial proceedings. See UCC 3-303 below. You put it on a damn UCC 3. How do you do it? Put a claim on it. Put it on a 3 and amend it to your UCC 1. You put a claim on it. And then see a notice of claim. I'm claiming a, I'm, I'm claiming a, I'm claiming an interest in this indictment, the proceeds and fixtures of it, and I'm gonna counterclaim for recoupment of these proceeds. And you see under UCC three three hundred five. And while you put a claim to the instrument, that comes under UCC three three hundred six because you have to establish the fact that you're the holder in due course. That's what you say when you go into the courtroom. I'm the holder in due course. That's why you're saying that if you got your birth certificate, um, which I say authenticated, or you got a claim on it with a UCC one, you're the holder of new course. Right? They're coming in trying to make a claim against your property, and you but you got a superior priority claim against that property. So you're coming in and saying I'm the holder of new course, and I'm a third party intervener. That's under Rule 24 of the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. I'm here as a third party intervener making a special appearance as an authorized representative for the defendant. I'm accepting for value. Why am I accepting for value? Because there's no antecedent uh, contract attached to the offer. So I'm accepting this for value and returning to value in exchange for full setup of all obligations and charges connected with this case. I do not dispute any of the facts contained in the charging instruments. Why are you not disputing? Because that's a traverse, and now it's giving life to an issue that requires fact-finding which is a jury trial or a bench trial. I don't see how this shit is so goddamn complicated. If you properly endorse an instrument issued and transferred for value, what does that mean, properly endorsed? Write your signature, do a banker's acceptance or a trade acceptance on it at a 45-degree angle. 
You put your social security number on there and maybe your birth certificate number or UCC filing number. Letting them know that I got a priority interest in this. That's letting you know what my status is because when you go in the commercial chamber, you can see I got a claim on all this shit. So I'm the creditor. I'm establishing I'm a creditor. It's a creditor and debtor relationship and all of these proceedings and the creditor always wins. So your first thing that you have to establish is I'm the creditor. I'm the holder in due course. I ain't gave you no permission to put no lien against my property or take my labor and my life in exchange for this national debt that you irresponsible assholes, uh, you know, put up on yourselves and through a process of novation made us responsible for. It goes on. If you properly endorse an instrument issued and transferred for value, you acquire a right to enforce the instrument against the issuer. You become the creditor by returning it to the issuer who becomes the debtor. By accepting the instrument and offer for value, you're altering the terms of the offer and it becomes a counteroffer. Acceptance. If an acceptance modifies the terms or adds new ones, it generally operates as a counteroffer. Black's Law, 7th edition. The right to be the creditor is what you get when you A for B an instrument that is issued and transferred for value, like a tax bill, penal action, indictment, or speeding ticket. These issues are all based on violation of statutes. Dishonor has value in the public. Violation of statutes has value in the public. Where does that come from? The statute merchant. Okay. What they've done is ingenious. They have created these statutes that have a value associated, cross-indexed with a certain value for each one of them. So they can create a bond off of it. So they can create an obligation and present it to you for performance. Because under the 14th Amendment, your straw man can't question the national debt. Who put that in there? These damn world bankers did. That right there lets you know who's responsible for the 14th Amendment. Who's behind all of this stuff? Who's behind the 13th Amendment? That slavery should not be, you know, tolerated unless you get convicted of a crime. The the criminal justice system and all these feeding tickets and all this is financing the United States. And all these municipalities. The violation of the statute is the presumed basis consideration for issuing the instrument. But if you have not promised to perform under those statutes, you're not obligated. And the issuer has no way of supporting this, his demand instrument. It is issued without consideration. It is issued based on the presumption that every U.S. citizen has pledged allegiance to the United States and to its private law statute. It is a bluff. The river card has already been turned. You have the winning hand. You can call the issuer's bluff. You can check. You can raise. You can fold. It's your choice. You have the button. The commercial system of the United States is based on the law merchant. That law is not neutral. It is not set up to be fair. It is set up to facilitate collection from creditors, especially foreign creditors. It deals with debtors and creditors, even when there is no debtor-creditor relationship. The only thing that has to be determined in most situations is who is the debtor and who is the creditor. Once that is determined, additional facts are usually irrelevant and immaterial. This is what we mean when we say off-point arguments. You go in there talking about some other shit like nationality. It's an all-point argument in a commercial setting. 
in the United States, every man is deemed to be a U.S. citizen, and every U.S. citizen is deemed to be a debtor. A for V is one way of establishing that you are a creditor and not a debtor. If you're going to use the law merchant to settle disputes with the United States, a firm understanding of the law merchant is necessary. If you have commercial rights, the trier of facts in a commercial dispute, that's the judge, a fact trier, he's a fact trier, will proceed cautiously to avoid denying you commercial due process. Well, what is commercial due process, Yusuf? Commercial due process is not much more than time and opportunity to complete an administrative remedy and produce a counterclaim. That's your administrative process. And your administrative process produces a counterclaim. You always have to put in a counterclaim in any type of action you're in. In some states, they call it a cross-claim. Like in California, they don't have counterclaims out there. If you don't know what your administrative remedies are, you probably don't have any commercial rights to exercise. As one who represents a person in the United States, in other words, a U.S. citizen, you have due process rights to the sovereign statutes. Why are they call the United States sovereign? When you see in any type of case law, well, the United States is called a sovereign. That's called a qualified sovereignty, meaning they have plenary power within the sphere of their delegated authority under Article 1, Section 8, Clause 17. All the, you have to look at the insular cases to understand sovereignty of the United States. It's a qualified sovereignty. And that's why you see all these naysayers saying, well, we the sovereign, y'all not the sovereign. As long as you're a U.S. citizen, the United States is the sovereign. That's why they keep putting all this, uh, plastering all this shit on YouTube, saying these sovereign citizens are stupid. The United States, that sovereignty was issued. They, they go Marbury versus Madison. And Judge, what Judge Marshall is talking about is these damn U.S. citizens. He's talking about in, within the United States. So if you're subject to their jurisdiction, then yes, they're the sovereign. The, the superior man stays within his own domain, public and private. You're only the sovereign in the private. You are not the sovereign in the public once you subject yourself and you come in as a debtor. If you don't know what your administrative remedies are, you probably don't have any commercial rights to exercise. As a man, I'm going down, as a man in the several states, you have due process rights to your creator's natural order of things, okay, which is natural law. Properly applied, properly applied commercial remedies incorporate the natural order of things. I wrote y'all a public and private chart. At the very top is natural law. All right? All of these positive law statutes are in harmony with natural law. However, when you're in a private person, you cannot use statutes. You can't mix them. You can use the principle. This is why I'm always talking about the principle. When you read a statute, you can take the principle that the statute is based off of and use that in your paperwork, not the statute. He's going to talk about that. He said, you can choose to use a sovereign statutes or, or commercial remedies, but they should not be used simultaneously. They're like oil and water. They do not mix. If you're going to use commercial remedies, 
injection of statutory rights will kill your commercial due process remedies. The terms of the offer and acceptance make the law that will be enforced. Even though you might choose to use commercial remedies, you still need to use the person you represent in the public to access the commercial remedies. Because why? Because they only deal with artificial entities. Public and private don't mix. That's why you're coming in as a third-party intervener, as an authorized representative for the defendant, a third-party intervener, an agent. They have been statutized in state law. You can use them, but you cannot cite the source. The statutes are the natural order of things as the basis for their code sections, and then incorporate the private policy code sections into the same set of public statutes. Right? All of these statutes are based on principles of law, and you got to know the principles behind the statute. That's why it's so utterly important for you to study maxims of law so you can understand. That's why when I read a case, these guys, well, that case not talking about that. I said, I know the case not talking. I said, I'm looking for the principle that the judges use to make their determination. A lot of times that principle is not expressly stated. Like separation of powers is a, a one used a lot by the Article Three judges when they defer to Congress and require you to make do this exhaustion of your administrative remedies before you can make some sort of constitutional challenge, a la the Ashwander rule. What are the Ashwander rules? The Ashwander rules are how the United States uh, Article Three, the, uh, uh, the judges under Article Three, take cognizance over a particular matter. Let me read these to you. Ashwander rules. Why one can't look to the federal courts to enforce constitutions? What are the federal courts? Federal, whenever you hear that word federal, we're talking about Article 1. Ashwander rules. Why one can't look to the federal courts to enforce the Constitution? Many people seek to enforce the Constitution, especially as originally understood by litigation. But the Supreme Court has repeatedly indicated that it will not resist the other branches if it can avoid doing so. Why? Because of separation of powers and urges people to seek their remedies through the political process rather than through the courts. This was made clear in the concurring opinion of Justice Brandis and Ashwander versus TVA, volume 297, U.S. Reporter, page 288, year 1936, in which he stated, the court developed for its own governance in the cases confessedly within its jurisdiction a series of rules under which it has avoided uh, passing upon a large part of all the constitutional questions pressed upon it for decisions. They are, number one, the court will not pass upon the constitutionality of legislation in a friendly, non-adversary uh, uh, non proceeding, declining because to decide such questions is legitimate only in the last resort and as a necessity in the determination of real earnest and vital controversy between individuals. It never was the thought that, by means of a friendly suit, a party beaten in the legislature could transfer to the courts an inquiry as to the constitutionality of the legislative acts. The court will not anticipate a question of constitutional law in advance of the necessity of deciding it. Okay, and the last one, the court, number six is the one that's really hitting everybody. 
court will not pass upon the constitutionality of a statute at the instance of one who has availed himself of its benefits. So if you're taking benefits and privileges, we ain't, nah, we not uh, taking no constitutional questions. You need to get your remedy over there in Article 1 first. But as long as you're taking benefits and privileges from the United States, you can't come holler at us for nothing. Unless there's a clear violation of your of the Constitution. You under some sort of contract with the United Here it is right here. Don't fucking ask me why I'm saying this is right here. I put the link in the chat room. That's why constitutional challenges don't work. You got a social security number, driver's license, a birth certificate, employed at a job, getting welfare, getting unemployment, getting VA loans. They got all that up there in front of them. Ashwander rules. Let's keep going. I lose my place. All right, let's get back. So you cannot mix public and private. You can't use statutes in a private process. That kills your, that takes it out of the equity court. And equity court is where you go to adjudicate contracts. And your contract is the result of your administrative process, which is vitally important for you to know how to do properly. Out of anything that you're doing in any of these processes, a secure party or whatever, you got to know how to do an administrative process. I don't care what it is. I don't care if you're doing nationality or whatever it is. Administrative process covers the whole sphere of everything we doing and anything. And most people don't know how to do one. you still need to use the person you represent in the public to access the commercial remedies. They have been statutized in state law. You can use them, but you cannot cite the source. The statutes use the natural order of things as a basis for their code sections, and then incorporate the private policy code sections into the same set of public statutes. If you use the site UCC this or UCC that, you've reverted back to being a U.S. citizen taking a benefit from the statutes. If you demonstrate the principle in the code section without citing it, you maintain your separation. The person you represent in the public acquires the commercial rights, but you interject your rights through the natural order of things, which is natural law, which is what private citizens operate under. God's law. Common law. That's just another way of saying common law, natural order of things. And maintain your unalienable or unalienable rights. You get to use the person instead of it using you. A person can acquire commercial rights through several means. According to the definition of value above, he can acquire them in return for credit, A, B, as security, C, through delivery pursuant to a contract, or D, in return for any consideration. Each of the subsections A through D deals with a different scenario. The last one, D, is a general catch-all that covers anything that might not have been addressed by the first three. 
The definition is one of the most confusing in the commercial code and is one of the most important to understand. A right is defined as a remedy. A right is defined as, so they say, what's the remedy? When, when you ask me what the remedy is, you ask me, what are your rights? And what are your rights in a, you have commercial rights. And commercial rights are created through contracts. Let me see if I can read this for you. I got, where did I put that, that case? See if I can find this and read this to you, what these attorneys said. Read what these attorneys say. I'm going to read what these attorneys say. Y'all need to subscribe. If you want to know when this show is going on, you need to go to the main page of my blog, Talk and Push, follow. So you get a notification whenever we have a radio show. Don't be asking me when the show will start. Go to the blog, Talk, Push, follow. you get an email, let you know. Let me find this real quick for you. I got to remember which one I put it on. See which one is I put it on. Because I want to read this to you. Give me just a second to find it. I think it is important. It's real important. Yeah, here it is right here. Found it. Let me put the link in the chat room for you. Link in the chat room for you. It's in a document called the Army Lawyer. There it is right there. And in here, I read something very, very, very peculiar. I was reading this real good document to read. And uh, let me see if I can find it. Because you see that the Army uses the same principles as everybody else. And uh, it's talking about due process, due process rights. That's what it's about. And what did this, what it was about is how they can avoid having constitutional violations and being subject to oversight by article three courts. That's what the argument, that's what the article generally is discussing. All right. And uh, in here you will find Right here. If you look on page five, it tells you, it says the definitional predicate in due process cases entails a positive view of property and to a lesser extent, liberty, property and some liberty interests originate in state law or contract. They are not freestanding human rights. And then you see property interests, of course, are not created by the constitution. Rather, they create, they, they are created and their dimensions defined by existing rules or understandings that stem from an independent source such as state law, rules of understanding that secure benefits and the support claims of entitlement to those benefits. Okay, that's for the in the public. But up here, you will see that he tells you that it is in what? It's in contract. It's in state law, public, or contract private. That's where rights come from. And the private, you get rights to what? Contract. It's right there on page five. You got to know what you're reading and looking at. This is a very good article for you to read in a discussion on due process rights. And it's a very, very good, insightful, cleverly written article. Don't be 
um, uh, fooled by the fact it's written for the Army because they use the same principles of the law as the other branches. Article 1 and Article 2, and yeah, they do the same thing. They have the same problem. Each of the art, uh, branches of government are at, are, are at odds with each other. So Article 1 and Article 2 are always looking for ways not to subject themselves to Article 3, which are the constitutional overseers and the protectors of private rights. And private rights are brought into court through a contract. Contract makes the law. I'm making a video on this. I'm going to stop right here. Because it's a long document, because I got to answer some questions. Now, I got to go to the phone line is lit up. But you understand why I'm doing all of these things and showing. I read this a hundred times. I know it inside and out. I know what everything means in it, okay? Inside and out. Long time ago. And this is why I say some of the things I say, because it can be verified in the law book. Byron Beards is an intelligent-ass dude. I don't know who he is. I've never met him, but he's one of the most intelligent people that I've seen put ink to paper on these particular topics. He has a whole series of documents that he's reading. I would highly suggest that anything that he's uh, written, that you read it. This treatise on acceptance for value is the staple. If you you haven't read this and you're trying to do A for V, stand what you're doing. Let me go to the phone lines, but I'm going to take a quick break first. Get me a drink. And then when I come back, I'm going straight to the phone lines. You've been listening to the hottest radio network on the planet. High Frequency Radio. I'll be right back after this. You're, 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 you're listening to Yusuf L. On the baddest radio network on the planet. High Frequency Radio.
tell the sheriff that I put a lean on it. They hating on this land with the trees on it. I erected the trust and I put the deed on it. I wanna live in peace, but I can use force. It's cutthroat living when you in New York. The agent on the stand, one we in the court, but he's not really the holder in due course. This is what you do if you living in New York. DBA 130 holder in due course. In the temple, make a prayer with my shoes off. Rule 17, I'm a holder in due course. This is what you do if you living in New York. DBA 130, holder in due course. In the temple, make a prayer with my shoes off. Rule 17, I'm a holder in due course. Got a mortgage loan, I discharge it Without following the chapter 11 I'm trying to make connections And pass a message to my people Cause the mortgage over 5 years, man, is illegal It's a crown in the fee simple estate Rule 17, I'm coming in as the G Open the books up when they dusty Got a 3% interest for my trustees Held a meeting with the chance law Got a 9-8 for my son, the grantor Pushing all this paperwork, my hands sore. I don't make a contract with a landlord. Business on the private side, I'm foreign. I don't go to court and entertain the argument. I'm above the hypocrites and jargon. Now the prosecutor trying to make a bargain. Hoping I don't call upon the cavalry. Cause we can go to the ocean and deal with amity. While I'm making prayer with my shoes off Endorsing all these instruments to hold her in due course This is what you do if you living in New York DBA 130 hold her in due course In the temple make a prayer with my shoes off Rule 17, I'm gonna hold her in due course This is what you do if you living in New York DBA 130 hold her in due course In the temple make a prayer with my shoes off Rule 17, I'm gonna hold her in due course Now, back to the show on High Frequency Radio Network. Okay, okay, okay. Peace, peace, peace. I'm back, I'm back. Going to the phone lines. Hope that kind of inspired y'all. You know, I hope we gave you some direction on what to look at, some guidelines on what to look, you know, what to look for. When you're doing all of this, all right, because I get a lot of questions about that. I'm like, you know, I'm like, you know, most people, they, they ain't reading. You know, it's, what it comes to is just ain't reading. You know, somebody asked me the other day, where did you get the four rules? Somebody said, you got some four rules from creditors and their bonds. I've been telling you to read creditors and their bonds since the first week I came on High Frequency Radio. Go back and listen to all my old shows. I did a top 10 damn documents for you to read twice. It's incredible. It's incredible. Let me go to the phone lines real quick. 512 area code. You up first. Going to state of Texas. 9202. Your phone, your line is open. It's on your mind. Peace, brother. Peace, peace. What's going on? I'm doing good this morning. Uh, I do have. I, I believe that you answered my question in your in your comments. 
but I, I, I want to uh, address it anyway. In reference right. to the uh, the issue with the federal employees, so basically what you were saying, uh, uh, as a federal employee, we really wouldn't have a uh, HIV. You'd have you have to use a remedy in, in the statutes. You know, you can use both, but you just can't mix the two. You can't come in like a private. If you're a federal employee, you need to use them statutes. There's remedies in the statutes, too. You know, like, for instance, you couldn't come and say just, I'm a third-party intervener. You'd say, you know, pursuant to Rule 24, the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure, I'm third-party. When you read Rule 24, have you ever read Rule 24? I'm just giving you an example. Rule 24. Like when you read creditors and their bonds in the uh, attorney letter of instruction, okay, this is where that was pulled from. Okay, it was pulled from Rule 24, but it didn't say it in there. Let me pull up creditors and their bonds, and I'm going to read it to you. So I'm, I just want you to understand what I'm saying. I'm... Okay. Okay, so I'm pulling up a copy of creditors and their bonds. And this copy that's on the internet, I'm the one who, who generated all this stuff, you know, put all this out. All right, this one right here, did all of this, I, I did. That link I just put there. And, and, no, and actually, that would be in your uh, file? Huh? That would I'm be sorry? in your uh, Facebook file? Yeah, it's in my Facebook file. So it, and it's also okay. in the Facebook group also. You can join my Facebook group also. If y'all need to get in the chat room to see all these links, you need to sign in to Blog Talk. You can sign in with your Twitter or your Facebook account, and then you have access to the chat room. You can see all this stuff I'm doing. If you're listening to this show. Now, when you go to creditors and their bonds, okay, there's an attorney letter instruction. Some some people call it a letter of rogatory. I just call it an attorney letter instruction because that just confuses people when you say that. But I call it attorney letter of instruction where you're giving the attorney instruction. Okay, and it's on page 40, sample 7. It says, please take note that I'm claiming an interest relating to the property, which is the subject of this action in rem. It's an in rem action because it's against a thing. The thing is your straw man, your property. That's why it's an in rem, in personam and in rem. In personam jurisdiction and in rem. And admiralty constitutes mostly in rem proceedings. It says, I'm so situated because they're dealing with fictions. You're dealing with things. I'm so situated that the disposition of the action may, as a practical matter, impair or impede my ability to protect that interest, which is not adequately represented by existing parties. All right, now that sentence right there, where did that sentence come from? What came out of Rule 24? I'm going to read it to you. Rule 24. Okay, motion, intervention. On timely motion, the court must present anyone to intervene who, number one, is given an unconditional right to intervene by a federal statute, okay, there's a statute, or conjunction claims an interest related to the property or transaction that is subject of the action, and it's so situated that disposing of the action may as a practical matter impede, impair, impede the movement's ability to protect its interest, unless existing parties adequately represent that interest. All right, now, that's where that came from. But you notice that you don't see him say anything about Rule 24 right there. But you have an interest in it because they're attempting to put a, place a lien against property, not you, against your property. You're a third party because you're a private individual. That's your straw man. 
And so as a practical matter, okay, uh, the outcome of this may impair or impede my ability to protect that interest, which is not adequately represented by existing parties, because if you got a public defender, this is the letter to the public defender. This is what you're telling him. You ain't going to adequately represent my interest because you can't. So this is why I'm sending you this letter and letting you know, here's what I want you to do. I accept the kind order of the U.S. District Court, Southern District of some state, by whatever judge, to appoint you attorney for the defendant. I accept this offer for value and returning it to you and notice to you. I request you escrow your bar certificate during the course of this case and serve as my counsel in the following manner and only in the following manner. And it tells you in creditors and their bonds what they're going to do. Let me tell you, it already tells you everything. It may be exactly what the, this document prepared me so much. But what this, the attorney actually wrote me a letter and praised me for saying, I don't know how you knew all this stuff. It says right here, in creditors and bonds on page 33, the lawyer will almost always say he cannot or will not read the letter in court. He will whine and comply that you are silly and maybe even stupid. But he will read the letter because the judge knows he has it and has been instructed to read it. He knows this because you asked him to file it with the clerk in the file. If he does not have it in the clerk's file before the hearing, you can put it in there on the way into the hearing. Get a certified copy of it to show him when you sit down next to him at the defendant's table in the courtroom. Everything you need to know has been in black and white for you. I did all of this exactly like that. And when he, I went into court, what they'll do is when outside of court, they'll be like, what are you talking about? I'm going to give you a, 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 a mental evaluation. But when we got in that courtroom, it's a different matter. And I sat down next to him. I said, you going to read this? He said, oh, oh, you want me to read that? I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can. Whole attitude changed when I got in that courtroom. They seen I wasn't playing because all the other shit is a bluff. I'm not playing with you. Oh, you think I was playing when I was talking to you? Now, we in court. Now, you finna read this? I don't know. Yana, counsel's refusing to follow my instructions. Therefore, the counsel's no longer necessary. Counsel is here by fire. I'll be taking over. Now, I'd like to also make a part of the record the instructions that I have for counsel. I'm going to read it into the record. And I read that whole, I read that whole letter into the record. Because you need to document their dishonor of you. Because it doesn't appear in the case that they're following your instructions until you make it appear into the case. And it don't matter what they say in court. It's on the record. You there to make a record, not to argue with the judge, not to argue with the prosecutor. You there to make a record. Understood. So then that, then I would just incorporate that into my uh, uh, my remedy process. Um, say, for instance, there, there was an issue where you wanted to uh, discharge a car note or something like that. Well, you wouldn't use this probably if you were, this is, I'm talking about a criminal matter right now. Uh, if you were discharging something, you use something different. You probably could. More, more times than not, If you only use this when they give you a public defender. When they give you a public defender, okay, people want to go in and fire them off the rip. That's a dishonor, okay? One of the rules is you have to stay in honor at all costs. So you accept whatever they give you. 
and you allow them to go in dishonor. Once they go into dishonor, then you can take over the case. That's why I try to explain to people. You just don't fire the, uh, the public defender off the rip. You give him instructions when he refused to follow him. Now you have to uh, take over the case. Why? Because he refused to follow your instructions. So now you can't go in there and talk. You still got to watch what you say. But when they give you a public defender, you accept it. But you let them know off the rip, hey, look, you know, you go up to the court, get a copy of the order that appointed him as your counsel, write acceptance for value across it, and sign it, put your Social Security number on it, refile it back into the case. Now there's public notice that you've accepted the contract with this public defender. Now you issue him a letter, send a certified mail with an affidavit of mailing from a notary, a third-party witness, letting him know this is the instructions I want you to follow. And if you refuse to follow him, if you refuse to follow them, what do you do? It says the right in instructions. It tells him, if you refuse to follow these orders, okay, what does he do? It's right here. I'm going to tell you what he's supposed to do. He says, if, if for some reason my request for an appearance, uh, no, right here. Uh, where is it? Any event you as my fiduciary dishonor me by not following my instructions, I request that you file a mandatory judicial notice of your refusal with the court and file a written appearance in the case. What scare him is that last part when you say file a written appearance in the case because that's making him liable. That's another word, way of saying you liable. Because whoever appears is liable. And appearance starts with the prosecutor who files the charges. Then it jumps to the public defender if he puts a notice of entry of appearance into the case, which is why they come and visit you in jail first to see if you know all this shit before they do it. They come and visit you first and have to sit down and talk to you, see what you know. Because they ain't just off the jump putting no notice of written entry of appearance in the case. And usually, right after they put that notice of entry of appearance in the case, the next thing they file is a damn waiver of, a, of, a, of you going in there and, a, 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 what is it, arraignment. They waive your arraignment. Waiver arraignment ain't just nothing but a not guilty plea. They call it, wait, we, I'm going to waive your arraignment. No, the fuck you not. But now, ask your question about discharge. But that's what I was talking about. Now, you want some clarification on discharge. Go ahead. Yes, I think you answered it. Uh, um, I have to go back. I'm, uh, got, uh, I really have to chew on it and start reading more. But I think once I get in, 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 engrossed in your uh, secure party course, uh, I'll come out with a better, uh, better understanding of it. It's going to get clearer and clearer as you go. That's why I tell people it takes about three years to become functionally literate with this. You're not going to, it took me about three years to really start getting down. And I, and I read every day because you, first of all, you got to develop, you got, it's like learning to speak another language. Are you going to go over into China and in your first month be able to speak fluent Chinese? Fuck no. It's going to take, it's like I watch videos on YouTube, people who travel over, they tell you, they say, look, you want to learn Chinese, you go out into the country and just go and live with the people out there outside the city. Because there's too many other people, you got too much access to American stuff in the inner city in some of these big cities. So go out there where everybody in the damn country speaks Chinese and you shit out of luck if you don't know the language. And you can learn this language. And as that is, it's just like learning a language. You take time to learn a new language. How long do attorneys go to law school? Three years. Why do you think it's, it's going to take you faster? 
That's why I don't be with these quick remedies and everything. You get quick remedies and that. Like, man, what are you talking about? You don't even know what remedy means. You don't even know what the word means. You don't know what venue you're in. It's a commercial remedy, and that means a right. A right is created through a contract, through an administrative process that's adjudicated in an equity court. And what do you have in creditors in their bond? You have a bill in equity. That's the last thing you put, a bill in equity. And there are 10 points to a bill in equity. You can read that in Black's Law Dictionary under bill, definition of bill. All right, you said, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Con- and, uh, Just concentrate on contracts. Everything private people, we get rights through contracts. And if somebody presents a contract to us, the only way we're going to change the terms of their contract is through a counteroffer. You just don't do a naked acceptance. A naked acceptance waives all defenses. And that's the principle of law. Let me show you the principles of law. Let me show you the principles. I'm going to give y'all a page. Let me give this picture, this page. I've got all the maxims of law on it. Real good page. It's Ecclesia.org. Ecclesia, Ecclesia, E-C-C-L-E-S-I-A dot org forward slash truth slash maxims dot H-T-M-L. While y'all listening on the internet, you can get all the maxims of law. You need to study these. You need to study these. I'm putting it in the chat room right now. There's a link to it. That's a good page. Got all the maxims on it. You need to study those maxims. Those are the principles that you operate by. Those are what's in the back of the Black's Law Dictionary. That's what all the law is based off of. Those principles right there. That's what you should be studying. I think I'll make a, a video on this for everybody. Put it on YouTube. Have any other questions? I know you said that covered it. Peace. All right, peace. All right, go back to the phone line. That was Texas. All right, let's go to where we're going next. Let's go. Let's jump out to Cali real quick. California. Oh, what's going on? You said peace, brother. Peace. What's going on? Uh, yeah. Uh, um, I had I had talked to you uh, last Friday. Uh, my minutes had ran out on my phone, so they cut me off. So I didn't want you to think because I I cut off. It was any like disrespect or anything like that. Oh uh, no, nah, I ain't was, uh, I ain't feel I ain't feel that way. I know people get cut off. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um. You know, I just wanted to, because um, I don't think I presented my whole little situation right in its entirety. So I, I just, I just want to present it right to know, uh, you know, where I need to go. So um, again, you know, you know, I'm, you know, I'm fighting a gun case or whatever. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm out on uh, 
fifty thousand. That's a secure security bond. They got me on this. They got me on this ankle monitor. Uh, uh, um, uh, um, uh, my attorney because I didn't know what to do at the time. Uh, my my federal public defender he put in a not guilty plea on my behalf. I go back to court in the beginning of March. I'm trying to you know if I can I'm I'm, I'm trying to um, get rid of this case. Um, you know you know by March 5th when I go back or you know not even going to court and get rid of it. So you told me to go to the, uh, the creditors. In their bonds and, and read that. I've been I've been reading that, but um, I'm kind of I'm kind of um, I'm kind of confused a little bit. And um, All right, what is it? What is it off. that you confused? What is it that you confused about? I can understand why you're confused. It do take a little time for the it's arranged for it to start to make sense to you. But it's it's arranged in order. You know the uh, documents that you file are in order. You of course you're going to draft your uh, certificate of non-response first. And then immediately following that is your administrative process. Is your letter to the uh, judge. You got a letter to the prosecutor. You got a letter to the clerk. And then your letter to your public defender. All right. And then and you complete that. You complete that first before you ever give this letter to the attorney because attached to that attorney letter is going to be your certificate of non-response. Because the thing that you are doing is you got to make sure that there is no dispute. Okay, you got to agree with your adversary before you go to court. Before you go to court, you need to come in there with documents demonstrating that there is no dispute. That there's no dispute. Okay, and if you need to modify your attorney letter because he's already put in a uh, waiver of arraignment, a not guilty plea, you instruct him that you need to rescind that. I need to take back that uh, not guilty plea, and this is what I need you to do. And we go into court, you need to do it. And then you read that into the record. See, the next thing that you got to be able to do is handle yourself in court. All right. You got to be able to handle yourself in court. You can't expect paperwork to save you. You got to be able to handle yourself in court. You got to know what to say. All right. So when you go into court, you got to know what not to say. You're not answering questions. When they ask you a question, you're not answering any questions. Because that's what makes you make an appearance. An appearance is made when you answer questions. You've made an appearance because when you don't make an appearance, you can't, they don't see or hear you unless you acknowledge the fact I'm here as a third party. I'm as a, I have an interest in the matter. I have a cross claim or a counter claim. My interest in this matter, y'all attempting to lean property, but I already have a priority interest in that property demonstrated by my UCC one. I've given notice of that fact to the federal government. You got to understand it's commercial. All right. That's what you got to understand first. That's why I spend so much time. I did a, uh, did you see that video I did on, uh, on the Katash, uh, Takashi 69, his indictment? Yes, I did. I did. I did. I did see that. Do you see how, like, when you read that, like, when you read that indictment, you yeah. see almost every, everything in there is commercially related. Right. Right. And I was like, and I was like, with all them charges that he's facing, and uh, 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 he can get rid of that by discharging the debt. It's gonna be hard because he, he knew about that. You gotta understand it. Really, it, you know, in in uh, in principle, yes, because it's commercial. But you gotta understand, he didn't hurt people. You know, you didn't shot killed somebody. They not gonna make it easy for you if you are damn uh, if you if you a damn pariah or you some damn threat to public safety. 
They're not going to make it easy for you. They're not. So you're going to have a, he got a fight on his head if he know all of this. Because he'll hurt people. But you got to be able to maintain. They ain't just go, you got to understand, you're dealing with other human beings. They're looking at it like, nah, we ain't going to just let you off like that. We're going to take you down through there. We're going to make you jump through every hoop to get your remedy. They can do that. But you got to know how to, that's why I say paperwork just don't save you. Because you can get, you can make your, uh, your paperwork null and void by your actions, your conduct in court, your statement. Uh, a guilty plea kills all known and unknown defenses. That's a maxim of law. You consent. It's right here on the maxim page on consent. You read it right there. You consent. Where's it right here? Consent and contract. Let me read all of them to you. Consent makes the law. A contract is law between the parties, which can acquire force only by consent. Consent makes the law. The terms of a contract, lawful in its purpose, constitute the law as between the parties. To him consenting, no injury is done. He who consents cannot receive an injury. Consent removes or obviates a mistake. He who, makes it, uh, he who mistakes is not considered as consenting. Every consent involves a submission, but a mere submission does not necessarily involve consent. A contract founded on a base and unlawful consideration or against good morals is null. All right? Oh, against good morals? Killing someone? A contract founded on a base, uh, right there, one who wills a thing to be or to be done cannot complain of that thing as an injury. The agreement of the parties makes the law of the contract. The contract makes the law. Agreements give the law to the contract. The agreement of the parties overcomes or prevails against the law. Advice, unless fraudulent, does not create an obligation. No action arises out of an immoral consideration. No action arises out of an immoral, uh, an immoral contract. In the agreements of the contracting parties, the rule is to regard the intention rather than the words. The intention. What are your intentions? And your intentions is going to express what you say. You need to read that. That's why it's important for y'all to understand principles. Because y'all write, y'all get y'all involved with these uh this, this, this paperwork and don't understand principles of law or un- don't understand when you go in the courtroom how you can uh, vitiate everything that you have done or null and void everything you have done by saying the wrong thing or demonstrating the wrong thing through some sort of action that would uh, imply or give some sort of presumption that you're agreeing to something that they're doing to you. This right. is why your people say, I do not consent. I do not agree. You know, your people constantly saying that, but they don't really understand what they're saying. They just know, they just know to say, I don't agree. I don't consent to these proceedings. They're just saying it. You don't have to really say it like that. You got to learn how to not give your consent in your conduct, but by engaging them, or what's called a traverse, traversing charges. And that's why you want to have a public defender. You don't, that's why the public defender tell you don't speak in court. He's telling you that, you know, for a reason. Hey, go in there and don't say nothing. Keep quiet. But as soon as you go in there and start talking and having qualified how you're making an appearance, whether it's general or special, and in what capacity you're making an appearance, hey, you, you, you got a long road ahead of you. You got a long road ahead of you, you know. You know when you do this after the fact, you in for a fight, but I'm telling you, what is the alternative? Do what that damn attorney tells you to do, you're going to jail. I know this for a fact. That's one thing I do know. You do everything that attorney tells you, you're going, you're going, you're going to do that time. Yeah, so you, yeah. really, so, what is your other alternative? What's the other alternative you have? 
You the thing is, you got to satisfy the obligation. They're going to do everything in their power to make it appear that they don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? Uh, this is not civil. This is criminal. I'm sorry, Yonda. Am I to understand the honorable judge made a judicial determination that this is an Article Three uh, court under the common law? No, it's not common law. We under statutory jurisdiction. Okay, Yana, well, will you please direct me where I may find the published rules of criminal procedure for a statutory jurisdiction? Because I never heard of that, sir. I've said this in court and saw what they and see that they miles hit the floor. Because see, yeah, if he in says, the feds, they're trying to say this for Article Three court in the feds. I say what? I said in the feds, they're trying to say it's an Article Three court because 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 the feds picked in my case. Get, get them to say it on record or get them to swear to it under penalty of perjury. Because, see, he's not sworn in, and neither is everything the prosecutor said is hearsay unless he's sworn in. He's not sworn in. So it's okay. Well, I will conditionally accept the fact that the honorable judge contends that this is an Article Three court. Upon proof of claim, the honorable judge can produce some points of law as long as an affidavit attesting, attesting to the fact that this is an Article Three court. They can say whatever they want to say. Mm-hmm. Lying is not against the law. Perjury is against the law. And you create perjury when you're sworn in. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I, uh, I asked more questions about, um, about because I received some benefits and some privileges. Mm-hmm. From the government, like I get, I, I get SSDI and I and I get low income housing. So um, I so um, I heard you say that if you get any type of uh, benefits or privileges, then they're not gonna um, they're not gonna respect um, the fact of you trying to discharge the debt because I guess like those are uh, well. Those... In that case, you, in that case, you're gonna use the statutory remedies. You know what I'm saying? You're taking benefits and privileges. You can use the statutes. There's remedies in the statutes as well. You know, the thing is, is that the law always provides a remedy. Okay? It always provides a remedy. You haven't hurt anyone or their property. You are entitled to a remedy. You got to understand also, of course, they're not going to make this easy for you. I don't want everybody knowing this information. I mean, y'all, it's just common sense. They're going to make it hard for you. It's common. It's common sense to me, you know, that they're gonna make it hard for you because if they if they acquiesce to what you're saying in the public and it's a part of the public record, everybody's gonna do it. So now they're not gonna, you know, mm-hmm. they're not gonna do that. What's gonna probably happen when I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen? All right, if you fight this or you just stay your course, eventually they're gonna offer you some sort of deal that's going to be may be acceptable to you may like okay we're gonna give you three years probation they'll do something like that but that's gonna be way better than doing some time in jail or something like that i'm gonna tell you they're gonna they're gonna start giving you offers if you stay the course you but you gotta you gotta make it through that initial barrage at first where they're trying to test your fear level they're gonna test that first they can make you afraid that's why i said with me it's hard for a person free with me, I was in jail, didn't have no, didn't have nothing to lose. So they couldn't throw nothing at. We gonna put you in jail. They already trying to give me sixty years. Okay, what, what, you know what? What you offer me? I mean nothing. There's nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose. 
So if you ain't got nothing to lose, they can't offer you. They can't like, oh, that shit you say, it don't make me afraid. We're going to give you a mental evaluation. So they gave me a mental evaluation, put me on a bus from Atlanta down to Miami, Florida, by myself on a big-ass bus, chained up, took me down there downtown. That's how I found out that that Miami court, I'm the one who put out to everybody that the Miami courthouse is shaped like a ship. I'm the one who brought that to everybody's attention because I was up there on the 11th floor looking out my cell down. The courthouse is right across the street looking down at it. I said, that's a damn ship. And the grass is cut like water. Mm-hmm. Came in, man came in. Hey, you here for a psychiatrist? I said, I'm not taking it. I'm, I'm coming in there to see the psychologist. I'm sitting over there, somebody trying to stick goddamn square pegs and round, and round corners and shit. I'm not going to do that shit. Like, man, ain't nothing wrong with me. I said, he said, well, you're here for a psychiatric evaluation. I said, I'm not taking it. Might well take me back to my cell. And they had me in solitary confinement. They brought me out of solitary confinement, took me in there, said, you need to take, I said, I'm not taking nothing. Put me back in my, then he sat and had a, so when, when you won't take it, they're going to try to have just a conversation with you. So he asked me a question. I said, what school would you go to? Because I don't know if you're a psychologist. You, you could be a goddamn agent sitting in here having a discussion for me. I don't know who you are. I said, where'd you get your degree from? And what? What kind of psychology? He said, well, it seems y'all think that these are some kind of courts. I said, I don't think anything. I got the law to support what I'm saying. And I said something to him. He said, well, the way that you answered that, let me know that you are, because what they're really looking for, I think, is not what you think. I think they're looking to see when you find out of this information, if you're a danger. Because, see, Timothy McVeigh, you got all these people blew up, got damn uh, courthouses, you know, damn uh, 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 the shit that they have down in Texas, all this kind of stuff. You know, people, there are people who find out about this who pick up guns. And they trying to make a determination if you one of those type of individuals. It's not it's not so much to say is if you crazy because you understand what's going on, the nature and cause of this action. Because when they brought me in the courtroom, I, I looked on my docket sheet, I saw that they were giving me a psychiatric evaluation. He put the code section there. I saw they could only hold me for 30 days for it. When I went into the courtroom, they had attorneys in their whole goddamn attorneys were sitting over there in the jury box. They had a, a two attorneys sitting by me, the prosecutor and some federal agents. And he said, we're here to uh, determine whether or not you understand the nature and cause of this action before you. I said, Jan, I said, you know what? You're right. I don't understand the nature and cause of this action. Is this a civil or criminal action? He said, civil. He said, okay, well, thank you. I said, the Constitution of the United States. And then I went into that. And he said, well, it's a statutory jurisdiction. Soon as he said that, the prosecutor threw up paper. She said, motherfucker. And that let me know this is in front of a federal magistrate. And at that point, I began to understand that some of these judges don't understand it. And the, pro- the prosecutor more smarter than he is. And when she threw the paperwork, he was looking around the room all scared. And all of a sudden, he just hit the guy. Yeah, I'm remanding you to the custody of the U.S. Marshals and just get, get, you, get out of here. And after I came before him after that, he was scared of me every time he, he saw me because he's like, this motherfucker tricky. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm tricky and everything. And then when I came back from psychological evaluation, they kept me for four months when they were only supposed to keep me for three, I mean, 30 days. I came back, and when I came back in there, he, uh, you know, I didn't take no psychiatric evaluation or anything. The prosecutor said, well, you know, well, what was the result of his psychiatric evaluation? The prosecutor stood up, uh, well, 
he didn't take the evaluation, but we find the findings are dispositive that he is more than competent uh, to stand trial. And she looking all scared. So when I stood up, I don't care about that. All that is just an act. When it's my time to speak, I said, where were we? Last time I was in here, you told me that this is a statutory jurisdiction, and I am somewhat of a law library rat, Yana. I went into the law library, and I couldn't find the published rules of criminal procedure for a statutory jurisdiction. I said, let me tell you something. You're sitting up there on that bench. I said this. I said, you're sitting up there on that bench acting like you don't know what's going on and violating my rights. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Every time I miss one of my children's birthdays, it's going to be $100 million. I just said that. I, I'll tell you the truth what I said to him. I said, every time I miss I one know, of my, my I'm, children. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just laughing at your bonus, you tell me. All three of my children's birthday, all three of my children's birthday was one month after the next. So they, 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 they birthdays follow in successive order. So their birthdays were coming up. And I said, every time I miss one of their birthdays, it's going to be $100 million. And he looked terrified. You would think the marshals was, okay, so he said, yeah, Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones, Mr. Jones. He said, Mr. Jones, look, we're going to get you. you know, we're not trying to violate your rights. We're going to get you in front of us. He said, the other judge is an Article Three judge. He told me that. So then when they took me out the courtroom, the, my, my, uh, the public defender, who was my standby counsel, she come and visit me. He said, uh, she said, well, look, we think you, we about uh, going to uh, call the FBI on you for in there threatening the judge. I said, call them. I don't dem- right? I demonstrate no fear. I said, call them. They need to come and look and see what y'all doing. They be trying to see if they can make you afraid. I said, call them. I don't care. What you going to do to me? What they going to do? <laughs> what the FBI going to do? I said, so what? <laughs> Bring in another agency. I don't give a damn. When they see yeah, they that you, when they see, when they see that your mind is so set in concrete that it's not budging, that's the only time you are gonna really see something. But if you wavering, what does it say? The double-minded man can hope to receive nothing from the law. Lord. Yeah, see, my thing read, is, I mean, probation. let me tell you. Hold on, hold on. Let me tell you something else I did while I was in there. I read the Bible every day. I read the Bible every day. I read the Psalms. I had Psalms up on my wall. I have prayers. You need, you need to be implementing a spiritual remedy. You need to be fasting and praying. And you need to be solidifying your spirit. You need to be set spiritually. Because the only person who can be an uh, advocate for you is the most high. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just tell you what it is definitely. now I See I'm not sugarcoating nothing Make you think it's easy and all that I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you I'm going to tell you the real deal Because I know when you get out there You're going to go through it You're going to see everything I'm talking about I have no doubt Heck yeah Like, like see my thing is My thing is Is that, is that like Um you know, having probation, like, I mean, I mean, my thing is, like, uh, 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 you know, I want to be victorious. You see what I'm saying? And, you know what? Well, you're going to have to take them down, people... too. You're going to have to take them all the way. But the thing is, is you may not want to go. It might go on two or three years. And you might, you might not want to do that. You know what I'm saying? Because what they do, 
when it starts going that long, they start giving you a lot of court dates, and they just are waiting for you to miss one of them. They can put you back in jail. So the thing is, you are, you out right now on bond. They go right now is to violate your bond, get you back behind them bars. That's their goal right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then I and then I talked to my and I talked to my attorney, and he was talking with my public defender, and um and um he was talking about uh he was talking about uh you know I couldn't beat the case based on the marriage. And that um, you know, since I'm out, I uh, I could possibly get into this thing called the CAT program or something like that. And it's like basically like I guess something like a work release type sort of you know sentence. You know, I, you know, yeah, I you, gotta and I, that, you gotta work off that debt. It's a debt. It's a debt, and debts are paid either in money or labor. If you go and study mm-hmm. history, you'll see debtors' prisons. If you ain't got the money, oh, I was watching The Magicians, and uh, this dude, he had his hands, fucked up his hands, so he had to go down to this river to get his hands fixed, and there was this uh, fairy down there, and he helped him. He helped him get his hands fixed. He said, okay, I'll be 20 uh, pounds in gold. He said, well, I ain't paying you 20 pounds in gold. He said, oh, you must want to pay me in labor. No, I ain't paying you in labor. You know, you say, you know, you sitting there doing it. You know, so everybody in antiquity understood if you ain't paying me in gold, you must gonna be paying me in labor. And it tells you a tax. When you look at a Black's Law Dictionary, you get a four, get an eighth edition. I'm gonna read this to you too. So y'all can see what I'm saying. Look up the definition of tax. Definition of tax. In the definition of tax. Let me pull it up for you. Read read this to you. You got to read these definitions of these words and understand that stuff. Do you understand what? You know, I ain't just saying this stuff off the top, top of my head. I'm showing you where I'm getting everything. I'm showing everything I'm telling mm-hmm. y'all. I'm showing you where I got it. Every damn thing I'm everything is coming out of my mouth. I'm showing you where it's com- coming from. You look up the word tax. I'm in the 8th edition Black's Law Dictionary. I don't have it on the internet, so I can't put a link up in the chat room. Y'all have to look it up on yourself. But if you look up the definition of tax, which you got a million goddamn definitions of tax under the word tax. Tax. Okay. A monetary charge. A monetary charge imposed by the government on persons Entities, transactions, or property to yield public revenue. Most broadly, the term embraces all governmental impositions on the person, property, privileges, occupations, and enjoyment of the people, and includes duties, imposts, and excises. Uh, Now, here's the key that you got to pay attention to. Although a tax is often thought of being pecuniary in nature, meaning monetary money, that's what the word pecuniary means, Money, although a tax is often thought of as being pecuniary in nature, it is not necessarily payable in money. So if you don't pay a tax in money, well, how else am I going to pay it? Mm-hmm. Through uh, labor from your, I mean, through the energy from your labor. Thank you. Or just. Or this ain't nothing but a principle that goes all the way back thousands of years. 
You don't want to pay any money? Oh, you must want to give me some of your labor. We're going to lock you down. We're going to put your probation, some work release program. You get a job at Unicor when you get into the feds. Help us make these damn uh, uh, postal bags of furniture or some shit like that. They got every damn every damn federal uh, a prison. They build something different. And Unicor, you make two hundred dollars an hour uh, a month. If you've been there a long time, you might get two fifty. I don't know if they raised it yet. Wow. Work on work on out on uh, 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 cutting the grass. You might get eighteen dollars a month. Work in the kitchen. You might get thirty five. You're a trustee. Wow. Ended up in, in in the dorms. You might get twenty dollars a month. You getting paid? It's just, it ain't no different than a temporary agency. How do temporary agencies work? Okay, you got a contract. They give you a certain amount of money, and they take a certain amount. In prison, all they do is they taking the bulk of your money and then giving you a little penance of a little bit on the rest. But the bulk of your labor is going to them. And they giving you a little bit to subsist off of, $200 a month. You might have really made 5000 that month. Because what is your labor worth? They give a minimum wage. Everybody, every American person in the country has a value attached to them. A minimum wage ain't nothing but it said, what is the minimum amount of labor a human being is worth? So, so, so if I want to use, so if I want to use the affidavit of truth to, to, um, to, to, uh, you know, try to, um, get them from not, from not using me getting, a privilege I mean, how do I, I how do I formulate that in my affidavit of truth? You, you got to formulate that. I mean, you got to sit down. Listen, you got to sit down and you got to tailor make your documents to your situation. You know, you taking benefits and privileges, okay? Now, the affidavit of truth it does address that that you taking these benefits and privileges without full disclosure of all material facts that would have made you aware of the fact that you would have made another decision. Had you had known that this would subject you to their jurisdiction and make you uh, uh, to some obligation of the 14th Amendment, if you really want to know, you can take some verbiage out of um, uh, what is called a corporate a denial of corporate existence and also um, an uh, abatement of common law. You can you can look in different documents. They got stuff all the time. Like I use some stuff out of abatement of common law that was real good. You know, uh, I'll let you see that. Abatement in common law is is is, is, is that on uh, uh your Facebook page? You feel me in the uh, documents on, on your Facebook, Facebook page? Uh, it's on my Facebook page. I'm putting a copy of it in the chat room. It's on my Facebook page. You look down here. You got a uh, you got a you got a um. Let me find it for you. Right here, it's got an affidavit of denial of corporate existence. And, you know, one has no contract with the state or federal government, which gives equity jurisdiction to the courts. One has no bank account, no credit cards, 
One has rescinded the governmental social security number and any present or future benefits of that socialist system for religious conviction. One has signed no international maritime agreement with the state of or federal government, either intentionally, willingly, or knowingly, which would give admiralty or vice admiralty jurisdiction to the courts of either the state or federal government and does not voluntarily submit to any of those jurisdictions. One is subject only to the common law of the Republic state of whatever and United States of America and is not subject to any corporation or its system of administrative law. One is not a corporation or a member of a corporation, a trustee or beneficiary of any trust created by government is not a legal fiction or a juristic personality and refuses any unknown nexus which might attach him to any such entity or jurisdiction. One cannot be held in involuntary servitude or peonage pursuant to the 13th Amendment to the United States Constitution. Peonage is when that, that's what we talk about. Peonage is what you work for money. That's what they put you in a system of peonage. A peon. That's where the word peon comes from. Peonage. One cannot be held as One cannot be held as surety or collateral for any bankruptcy of the corporate, federal, or state governments without any permission, which has never been given. One has never applied for bankruptcy and never given his permission to the state or federal governments for his participation in any bankruptcy scheme of the federal or state governments or the Federal Reserve Bank Incorporated. That's a lot of stuff in here. What I did was I took stuff that I needed and left stuff out that I didn't need and, and formulated me my own affidavit of truth and came in there and wrote it myself. Because that's where the power is going to come from. The power is going to come from when you write something yourself and put it in your own words. In order to do that, you got to understand what all this is talking about. Unfortunately, uh, many, a lot of y'all are not. You know, I've been writing and studying grammar for a long time. You know, I got a background in it. If you have a background in it, it's going to be a little uphill battle. But the thing is, is that, you know, you got to read this stuff. You got to know what you're talking about. You know, like, one of the most famous habeas corpuses ever written was by an individual who wrote it on toilet paper. Okay? If you can't do that, I can do that. I can write a habeas corpus on toilet paper if they put me in solitary confinement. If you can't do that, you ain't ready for this. If they throw me a roll of toilet paper and a pen, I can write me a habeas corpus. I know how to formulate my caption of my pleading. I know how to write it all out. They got to give you a 2241 or a 2255. A 2241 is a, pre, a pretrial habeas. And that's what you need to know what that is because you're still in pretrial. So that is, an, that is a statutory option for you. A 2241, you can put all of it. You should try that first. Put everything in a 2241 and then identify exactly why you are seeking relief under habeas corpus. Because you're taking benefits and privileges so you can take advantage of that statute. That's a remedy that's been incorporated in a statute for you, a 2241, which is pretrial. On the federal level, it's a 2255. That's post-trial. On the state level, it's 2254. And pretrial is 2241.
or what your disposition of your mind is going to be or none of that. All those are variables that have to come into play that's going to make with this work or not, but you got to understand it. Because you see, just by you calling there asking me questions, I know you ain't ready. Because when you get ready, you ain't asking nobody no questions. You know what you're doing. So the thing is, you know, it's like I when I studied all this, I, I was in jail. And so I couldn't ask. I didn't have a high-frequency radio to go to. I had the law library. I had American jurisprudence. At uh I had a, I had a book a set of books called um, the Supreme Court Law uh, Digest Lawyers Edition. I had the United States Code Services book. I had all of these documents. I'm giving y'all a list of. That was it. You didn't even have a UC, like an Anderson's UCC book. You can find a UCC in American Jurisprudence. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So so um. Uh, you know, you talk fast, and I be trying to, you know, like write stuff down. But, but, but when I was talking about, um, like what I used to do as far as far as following my paperwork, all I got down was a, a certificate of non-response. So can you, like, can you um, please you do go over like? I mean, it's right there listed in creditors and their bonds. You do a certificate of non-response. I just said it once again. It's right there in order. Every document is in the exact order you should do it. Right there in creditors and their bonds. You do a certificate of non-response. First, okay. Next, you got a notice of acceptance that's going to get filed with the clerk. You got to get public notice on the public side that you are accepting all the charges and there's no dispute, okay. So, uh, then the next thing is you're going to do a notice of non response. You're going to send that to uh, the uh, prosecutor. All right, you're going to let him know. Notice. All right, you're going to notice a non It's telling you right up at the top, right at the top, sample A5, notice, notice to the judge. Okay, you got a notice to not, notice of non-response. That's sample number four. Sample number five is notice to the judge. All right. Then sample number six is notice to the court clerk of acceptance and private process. All right. Then right there, not, uh, sample seven is your letter that's going to go to your uh, attorney. And then sample number eight is your bond that you have. To, you always got to file a bond into the case. It's called a court bond. It's court bond. You always got to give note. All that is is notice that you are pledging, okay, that you will take care of all charges in the case. That's necessary. And then number nine is your bill in equity. That's it. It's in order, exact order. Okay. Okay. So when so when do I so when do I put in this um this this UCC one and do I attach a UCC three to it? You don't need to put a UCC three to it unless you get them some sort of negotiable instrument. You can file a UCC one as as a an additional exhibit to uh to your letter to the attorney, or and then file it into the case. You can add that in there, but you don't necessarily have to do that. But you can, you can do that. You know, you can let it, you can let them know. You know, okay, here's my UCC one. Here's a certified copy of it. I'm putting it in. All that is is notice that you have a priority interest in the property. You can put that in. You definitely can put that into the case. But use it as an exhibit. Put it in as an exhibit to something. Like if you want to add it as an exhibit to your bill in equity or at, to, as an attachment to what you give the attorney and have him file it into the record. It's just an exhibit. The exhibit is letting them know where to look for my priority claim against property. That I've given notice to the public and you that I have a priority interest in this. Because all that is serving is letting them know that you already got a lien. They're trying to lien you. Remember, that's my whole purpose of doing it. What is acceptance for value? 
Value is obtained by interest in things. And that is represented by a lien. And liens are converted into bonds and sold. A bond is the evidence of a debt. A lien is the evidence of a debt. A lien is the evidence of an obligation owed or interest in it. So they're trying to lien you up. Unalienable rights. You hear everybody said my rights are unalienable. Okay, well, you have, how are they unalienable? We're in a commercial venue. Well, I got a commercial process, Yana. I mean, notice to the public right here in my exhibit. They got, I'm, I am the holder in due court. I'm the paramount interest holder in the property that you are attempting to attach. Mm-hmm. You should study the attachment yeah. laws in your state and the state of Texas. That's where you're going to find all this. Anything that's dealing with attachment, search your codes in Texas, anything dealing with attachment. And you're going to find everything I'm talking about. Okay, so, 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 with, so I don't, so I can do, I can do all these things, and I don't have to necessarily follow UCC one because I was reading the Gene Kenny's transcripts, and he was like, like the way he was putting it, like, I, like I need to follow UCC one in, in the Gene Kenny's transcripts. You could, so that's yeah, why you I'm can, so. You can, you can do that. It's a notice. It's a notice. All everything that and creditors in their bonds is a notice. They're just notices. Everything that you're seeing is a notice. A UCC one is a notice. They're notices. All right, you got to give note. A gentleman always gives notice. So yeah, you can put it in. It's a notice. You got to notice the public of what your rights are. Uh, you got to put make that a part of the record and put it in the evidence file and then present it in court and make it a part of the record. Not just file it. It got to be stated in court. You can't just file it. Filing it is just giving notice to your the opposing party what you come to battle with. As I know, this is what I'm coming into court to battle with. Okay, okay. Do I do I need to um when I file it? Do I need to file it with the Department of Treasury first? In, in, oh, I in would. Washington, yeah. I mean, yeah. You do it. Do a secure party process. Yeah, you need to do some because it's a commercial process. The Secretary of Treasury is the point man for all of this. All this goes to the Treasury Department. Everything that they're doing run through the Treasury Department. If you read Gene Keating, Gene Keating transcript, you should also read the prison treaties. He tell you that all this is going through the Treasury Department. He's a bond. They financing government. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and um, do I need to send it to? Uh, since I'm in California, do I need to send it to Sacramento, or I guess they got a regional office in Colorado or something? Do I need to send it over there? Listen, you can notice whoever. I mean, like when you read one man out. He noticed the IRS director, the regional director, the Social Security Administration, the Treasury Department. If you want to write the Bureau of Public Debt, the Comptroller of the Currency of the United States, the President of the fucking United States, your governor, or whatever. You know, you give notice to as many people as you want, as well as your, uh, uh, the district court, uh, uh, the court administrator of the federal court. Let him know. And also, you have the clerk that's supposed to get all this stuff is the uh, is the uh, fiscal clerk. You go down to the federal building, they got to fi- ask them where the fiscal clerk is. That's the person that got all the all the information, all these cases. 
the QCIP numbers and all that. The fiscal clerk. The fiscal clerk. Hey, when you read these ancient documents, I, I'm reading cases back from the 1700s. All this shit go to the clerk. Bonds, all that stuff go to the clerk. Does 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 clerks practice uh, talk about that? Because I've been meaning to get to that. Yes, it does. Very much so. Yes, it does. When you read something like clerks practice, you're studying history. When you study history, you can see how they brought it up to the present date. That's why it's important to study history. Because now, when you understand what you're reading in history, when you go and read an American jurisprudence in the Admiralty section or Benedict on Admiralty, now you can understand how they modernized it. And you can see it's the same damn thing. Like when I read Title 18 here in Georgia, that's damn admiralty. And then that's why Howard Freeman was so important, because he told you in there, he said they can call it anything they want, they just can't call it admiralty. But they merged law and equity together. So you can't see, you can't determine what kind of action you're in. They had to do that because there isn't any money. So everything falls under color of law. So to get you they have to contract with you. So it's civil, and then it switches from civil to criminal. That's what Gene Keating was talking about in the Gene Keating transcript. All these people, it's good you're reading this because once you understand it, you'll know who you can respect and who you can't. You're like, okay, Gene Keating know what he's talking about. Howard Freeman is a beast. He's a beast with it. Gene Keating, it's the other people out there are beast with it too. You know, but you got to understand it's commercial. I don't give a damn what nobody say. It's commercial. You know, some guys, you know, they remedy is they say, well, that secure party bullshit. I say, that's that bullshit you're doing coming in these courts and everything, trying to argue with these people. And, you know, principles of the Constitution, trying to use the Constitution. And you don't even understand all this shit I'm talking about, like the Ashwander rule or separation of powers or or the or or uh, the um, result of taking benefits and privileges, how you have to jump through some hoops, unless you just completely just let go of everything, which is a remedy, completely letting go of everything, completely removing yourself from the system. Don't put your name on nothing, which is what all the elite do. What do they say? Own nothing and control everything. They don't put shit in their name. They have trustees do everything for them. I wanted to ask you. Uh, oh, oh yeah. This is another thing I wanted to ask you too. Like, uh, I, uh, I, oh, I, I think from from because um, I was I was I was doing some independent contractor work. But like, I don't know if you got Postmates out there in Atlanta or DoorDash. You know, and um, I owe the IRS some money on that. I think so. And um, and I, and, I and, and, uh, and, uh, and 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 um. One man out, he did what's called a debt assessment letter to the IRS. He wrote him a letter to how much I owe you. Called a debt assessment letter. He said, I need you to assess. What? Because there was some information that came out that said you can't discharge no debt if you owe the IRS any money. Because they're going to take whatever you give them and apply it to what you owe first before they apply it to your case or whatever. So you got to settle your books. That's what um, the document came out. Zero out your account. It's on the internet. Every question y'all ask me, there's somebody already written something on it. <laughs> somebody, 
out your account. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so when I write right, that right, letter, I put, I put that, it in the chat room for you. Somebody asked me a question real quick. A promissory note. Yeah, somebody just have a conclusion of law. They said, they said, what happens when you use a promissory note with your liens according to the treasury? A promissory note ain't no lien unless there's some sort of uh, consideration attached to it to make it a lien. I mean, there's some sort of contract. But I can issue you a promissory note, just give it back to you. But it's accepted for value because you don't have, it's, it's all based off presumption. So it's either expressed or implied. I just read that to you in acceptance for value. If you issue an instrument and there's no express consideration attached to it, it has to be issued for value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, so let me ask you this again. Um, 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 being hold, on, hold, on, hold, on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on before you say that. Okay. Why do you think when you buy a house and they get you to sign a promissory note, they have a mortgage attached to it? The promissory note is a negotiable instrument. The mortgage is the contract. All right, go ahead. Yeah, um, so I just explained where I'm at, uh, uh, you know, waiting for the court on March 5th. Um, can I, can I, can I discharge this debt and get rid of this case without going into court on March 5th? I can't tell you that. I wouldn't do it. You you ain't at a position where you could do that. Your mind ain't even ready to do nothing like that. So I'm not going to tell you to do that. You ain't ready to do that. You know, not going to the courtroom or something like that. You can do it. Yeah. If you want to answer the question, yeah. You really don't want to come into that jurisdiction. But are you ready for the pushback? If there's yeah, a pushback. I don't want to come into court. I don't want to come into court. I want to. I want to get rid of this case without having listen, to come listen, listen, court. Listen, 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 listen. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm going to tell you what the law is, and what your remedies are. You gonna make the decision for yourself what to do. All right. Do you understand what I just said to you? Right. You're not going to have me responsible for the decisions you make. You're a grown goddamn man. All right. You got to sit here and read this stuff that I'm telling you. You make the decision for yourself. I'm okay. not going to tell you what to do. You the sovereign. You get the information. You decide in your heart and mind what you're going to do. Let that lead you. But if you want okay. it to go that way, if you think that's what you do, I will tell you when you come into that courthouse, you're coming into their jurisdiction. You're coming on federal property. All right? They got jurisdiction over everything they own. That straw man is theirs. You need to sever that presumptive amalgamation they've amalgamated you to this straw man you need to sever that uh sever that tie that nexus that binds you to that straw man which is an operational presumption you need to kill all presumptions that is what the affidavit of truth addresses but right now you're coming in after the fact it's hard to come in after the fact this stuff you're supposed to do before something ever happens you know what i'm saying you know, so you're building up hills. So that's why I wouldn't tell you to do that because you didn't do it beforehand. you coming after the fact. That's almost like saying, like, you trying to get a lien on a house and somebody already got a mortgage on it. You got, No matter what you do, you're going to be in the second position. You have a junior position. And there's going to take precedence. So you got to do it up front. I ain't going to tell you that. All right, now I got to go. I got to take the next call. I appreciate your time, okay? Thank you, Yusuf. I appreciate you too. Peace, brother. All right, peace. 
Eric O320. Peace, you're on there. What's going on? Not too much. Not too much. Hey, uh, I had a question um, about uh, something. Uh, well, case my brother was having. He um, he basically got a an appellate judge to uh, to an appeal uh, charge he had, and he won that. He won that, and. Uh, they brought it back down to the local level, and the prosecutor is still trying to make the charges stick. Um, now, he uh, he got the local attorney, I guess, the local local uh, def- uh, public defender, and uh, he was basically said he was just going to take what um, what the appellate judge said and you know put it into motion. And it turns out he said some. And well, he took what the appellate judge said and flipped it, and the judge denied the motion. Now I got creditors in their bonds. I got all this. I was actually reading through um, when he was reading what is accepted for value. I mean, a motion, um, a motion is a motion is a request, and a motion grants jurisdiction. Filing motions give jurisdiction. All right, but go ahead. I, I, yep. Uh, so well, I was. I know we need to go through the creditors and their bonds. I got all that stuff there, but. Um, as far as this motion being denied, he got a pretrial date coming up. So, um, so we should should we try to do the uh, the well? Should we send this attorney letter rogatory first and then do the administrative process? No, no, you do the administrative pro- you do administrative process before you do anything. You do administrative okay. process first, all right? Because okay. what, by the time you contact the attorney, what's attached to the administrative process is that certificate of non-response. Cause you let them. Okay, let me read the let me read the attorney letter to you. All right, so you can okay. see what I'm talking about. When you read this attorney letter, okay, it tells you right in here. All right, it says when you see a number, um. Right, uh, right there in the third paragraph where it says a copy of the relevant certificate is attached. That is their certificate of non-response. It says for you to stay in honor, I want you to enter the no- this the notice into the record by filing it with the clerk of court and by reading it into the record in open court. This is okay. no. That I've accepted for value and returned all public offers associated with this matter. And notice that I've made every effort to reach settlement through exchange of my exemption for adjustment and set off of the public charges against the defendant. Ask the judge to take mandatory judicial notice of the private agreement. What is a private agreement? That's just your administrative process that has been right. reached through offer and acceptance. A copy of the relevant certificate is attached. So if you have a copy of the relevant certificate attached, you got to have already been completed an administrative process. So he knows that there's what? No argument. What's the first thing you tell him? As there is no controversy in this matter, I do not want you to argue any facts or public issues as they apply to the defendant. You're not authorized to foster an argument or to join an argument on my behalf or on behalf of the defendant. You are not authorized to defend the defendant. Not Let me read another one to you. There's another one called using the attorney as a private international lawyer. 
accusing the attorney as a private international lawyer. And you see, even Dean Keating, okay, you got the video. I got a video up on it on YouTube. I did a whole video on it on YouTube. I'm put the link to the video in the chat room. Yeah, yeah, I saw, I, I, I saw it. All right, Dan, did you get now? If you look in the description, in the description, I give you a link to the document in the description. Right. That's why I'm telling you go to the video. I put links in the, to the documents in the description of all of it. Using the attorney. Okay, you see right here, when you get down at the bottom, it's going to tell you, let our rogatory. First thing, line one, do not argue any facts on the public side of the above matter in behalf of the undersigned. The well-pled facts are all true. They're in and not disputed. To dispute the facts takes away my ability to dispute the substance of the presumption of fact. Also, when you read Gene Keating's transcript, he tells you it's called a confession and avoidance. And they got that right. in the Admiralty uh, uh, things that I'm reading. It's called a confession. It's called a, uh, a confession of judgment is what they call it. Confess judgment, which is what they put in all your contracts, too. So it's called a confession and avoidance. A confession and avoidance. You're confessing to the facts and avoiding the consequences by putting in a counterclaim. Essentially. Right. Okay. Okay. And uh so so yeah, we'll go ahead and, and uh and do the administrative process. Now, I know uh one time you were talking about um, you know, objecting to everything the prosecutor says because everything that they basically saying is hearsay when they walk in there because they're not sworn in. So um so yeah, that was that was like in a, a public in a, defender. Well, well, wait a minute, hold on. When I do that, that was on a foreclosure. I use different techniques for different things. When, oh, I'm on a okay. foreclo- okay. when I'm on a foreclosure case, okay, I'll do that. You know, I come in, I'm like, okay. you know, like I, I, I come in a foreclosure case. They got a dispossessory or unlawful detainer, and they done brought me into court. I'm not letting them speak. I'm not letting them say a damn thing. Every time he opens his mouth, right. I'm objecting. Objection hearsay. Objection hearsay. Because he don't have firsthand knowledge of nothing. All he can right. swear and attest to is his administrative process. That's all he only affidavit he can enter into the record. That he he was right. hired, he wrote you a letter, you didn't respond back when it said, and I'm coming in. I got a, and I got a, a, a affidavit to substantiate. That's all he can attest. But he can, he wasn't there at the closing table or nothing like that. He don't have firsthand knowledge right. of the veracity and validity of any of those documents he's attempting to enter into evidence. And that so that's just basically used for like credit cards and stuff like that. More yeah, in the court cases, you do third administrative party debt process. collectors, stuff like that, right. you know. Okay. Okay. Now, I know there's an administrative process in here and then I know I got your uh, platinum membership on the SPC website. Now, it don't uh, it doesn't let me click on it. Is there is, is there a reason for that or I mean it's something on that, what? Does um, let you click on you know, what? Uh, the administrative you process where you have the courses, where you have oh, the courses. Oh, I haven't. To... I ain't finished putting. I haven't finished it yet. I haven't finished all oh, of it. Oh, okay. I haven't okay. finished all okay. of it. But yeah, I, I I see what you're saying. But yeah, I haven't finished all of it yet. I haven't finished oh, putting okay. it together. Okay. It's a lot of work doing all this. That's why I'm doing these shows. Yeah, I know. I'm doing these shows. <laughs> I know. You know, because it's like, man, I'm not sitting there putting all this stuff, putting answers to questions, and it's a lot of damn work doing all that. So you know, it's like, okay, let me just. Explain it to them. Hopefully, they'll get it 
and then I come back and you know try to uh, put something out for y'all. But you know, I'm on air right now, so y'all can ask me questions. You know, and right, you know, right. I explain all this stuff to you. There's a lot of work doing all this. You know, trying to have a life and do this is a lot of work. But I get it done. Yeah, I get no, it I done. I'm making videos. No, no, I appreciate it. It ain't yeah. no big deal. I was just, I was just kind of wondering on that. But I mean, like I said, it's in their right. bond. So I got stuff. I got stuff coming. I, I got a whole bunch of stuff I ain't completed. I just ain't posted it yet. But I got stuff coming. Okay. And I'm gonna be posting on there and everything. I, I got more stuff offline than I got online. I got more stuff <laughs> offline than I got online. I got a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, so, every time that you're talking about a new, uh, a new, uh, like every when I'm listening to you. And you say, "I'll go read this. Go read this." I'm pulling up the PDFs. I'm printing them out. I got a a big uh, binder <laughs> that I just, you know, print it out and, and stick it in my binder and, and uh, just go through and read them. Cause yeah, they're 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 very helpful. Yeah, let me tell you something. These subjects have always already been very well researched. Very well researched. You know, we owe a debt to a lot of the other people who came and did all the research on all this. And this is why I. You know, try, I'm trying to get y'all because a lot of the gurus y'all follow, that's what they do. They didn't read all this stuff. You know what I'm saying? Where do you think they get their information from? Okay, I'm just showing you the source of all this stuff. So, you know, it's like they ain't just get it through osmosis. They read documents. They're not, not admitted to you. But they read documents and everything. A lot of them, you know, they're too proud to say where they got something from. But the thing is, is that everybody has read something from somebody. You know, something from somebody. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's all I had, really. Uh, I just got it was kind of off topic, but um, have you seen that uh, that bill that was presented uh, that HR twenty five supposed to be abolishing the IRS? Haven't seen it. You know, I I I don't take too much um, stock and stuff like that because I study the Jews, and, and this I study the Jews a lot. I just got through watching a video called "Let's Talk About the Jews." You can find it on YouTube. It's a very good. They be they be snatching it off YouTube. Very good documentary. They keep taking them off. They keep taking everything off the internet. Um, I'm looking at one called um, uh, what is the other one called? I forgot. I forgot the name of it. I'll think of it in a minute. But when I study these documentaries, I'm looking at how the Jews have taken over the world. Really, the Jews and took over the world. They done assassinated oh, yeah. all the leaders of the other countries. They have uh, these Zionist Jews. A lot of them, a lot of Supreme Court justices uh, were, were Zionists, admitted Zionists. I just got through reading, uh, what's that, Justice, uh, what's his name, Justice, uh, let me read this to you, and let's show you what I'm talking about. Put the uh, link in the chat room. And this is right off the uh, Jewish website. You know, I go to their stuff because, you know, you don't go, you don't use their stuff. They call you anti-Semitic. So I try to make sure when, yeah, I, when, when, show y'all, when we, the, yeah, when when, we the real Jews. <laughs> yeah, but when I show you something, I try to go off. I try to say, okay, go off their website. Like, uh, I think yeah. it was, uh, is it the Felix Frankfurter? Felix Frankfurter? Yeah, Felix Frankfurter was an active in Zionist causes. He was a member of the American Zionist delegation to the Paris Peace Conference sent by Justice Louis Brandon. Frankfurter engaged in correspondence with Arab leader Imar Faisal, uh, in which Faisal expressed his support for the Jewish nationalist movement, which meant which signaled to me that he's probably a plant or something like that. But when you start studying all of this stuff, 
I mean, these central banks is their their whole chokehold on the entire world is through their central banks, through banking, through finance. That's a chokehold, and it all goes back to this Jewish shatar because when they were in England under Edward I, they weren't allowed to own property. They were the they were owned by the king, so they had developed over thousands of years this mortgage or this dead hand where they were where they understood how since they couldn't own property they could get interest in property right they can't own it but they get interest in it and that's how they make money the whole thing is that they that's why people would call them parasites and stuff like that because their whole thing is about stealing the labor of other people through interest that's why like in islam you know interest is uh is not lawful I don't think it's even lawful for them to charge interest against each other. I don't think they do it with each other. But it's okay to do it against right. the boy. And the reason they came out with this Talmud is because when you read the Torah, it's too much stuff in there. Like I was talking on Sunday and everything. You got all these questions. So they came up with what the what the Talmud is, is like what the Hadith is to the Muslims. And also like what the Gospels are in Christianity. All of the branches right. of religion got their own Talmud. Okay, the Talmud to the Christians is the new is the uh, is the Gospels. Mark, Matthew, Mark, Mark Luke, Matthew, and John. Why am I saying that? Yeah. Because what it is is it's oral traditions. It's somewhat somebody's orally saying somebody did. The actual book of Moses is the Torah. The actual book of Jesus is the Injil or the Book of Revelation. But what people said okay. about him, you find in the Gospels. I say anything with the Prophet Muhammad. The book of the Prophet Muhammad is the Quran. What people said about the Prophet Muhammad is called Hadith. Okay, so all of them have that. They all have that. So the oral tradition, these rules they done made, come under the Talmud, which they call the explanation of what is supposed to be going on in the Torah. Because you read the Torah, it's not, it's not clear, and there's too many damn contradictions and wild shit going on in it. So they had to create the Talmud. That's why you always hear them talking about the Talmud, which is fraudulent. Yeah. You know, you'll see, the, you'll see the scheme. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're, I can, man, let me tell you, the more you study this, you can see what these people are doing. All right, what these people are doing is very simple. Put everybody in debt. Yeah. Take away their gold <laughs> and silver. Their ability... To do transactions with each other, they want to destroy private rights. Make you yeah, beholden you can, yeah, you can see that. to them. The complete destruction of privacy. Yeah, I don't see why that's so hard for people to see. I mean, I, you know, the, the way I learned public and private was through you, and that's, I mean. And I try to explain stuff to people. I'm like, man, look, you, there's a public and a private. If you don't understand them two, you ain't going to understand nothing. But nothing. The reason I brought nothing. up that HR 25 was just because I was, I was um, looking at this shutdown. And, you know, after more than 30 days, I was looking after more than 30 days, he can basically start laying people off. And the IRS is one of the things that's closed. I'm still trying to get my 9-8 number right now. And I can't even yeah. get through. Yeah, they closed the IRS, but here's the thing, you know, it's like I don't really I don't even really know if I can trust anybody in the government because Trump, you know, I don't really, you know, I watch him, but at the end of the day, I know that these five people is somebody in power behind the scenes. Right. All right. 
there's somebody in power behind you. Always got to be cognizant of that fact when you're watching everything. You know, what are they really doing? What are they trying to accomplish? What's the end game? You know, it's a chess game. So you just can't take whatever they do in the public on face value. You got to really right. look and study. And they put every one thing I will say is they don't hide nothing. They distract you. The Super Bowl, right. like for instance, right now in France, they got a revolution going on in France, and them, the, the person who's in charge of France is a Jew. <laughs> okay, so they got all this stuff going on over there in France. So what do I see in what's happening over in America? Let's bring the NBA over to France. Yeah. Why? And who's 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 over the NBA? A Jew. Okay, so you know he's talking. He say, "Look, we need a distraction over here for these people. You got to give them something to do." And so what the Romans so did? Give yep. them, give the, the people games. Pacify them. Everything is yep. a distraction. You got to look past the distraction and see what is really going on. You can't take nothing they say in the public at face value. Well, see, that's what I'm saying. A lot of people didn't know about this. And, like, I've been telling people, like, everybody thinks about that damn wall. But I'm like, man, you got to look beyond that. If he wanted to, he keep on saying he can declare a national emergency, but he ain't declare no national emergency. You know where that comes so, from? You know where that comes from? That comes from HJR, the Congress 90. Um, I just put that in my Facebook group. The executive war powers emerge. We still under, we are still under martial law. Under yeah. Okay, now, they transferred like 400 and something laws were passed that transferred all this power to uh, the president. Uh, FDR exercised it. Uh, Woodrow Wilson, Lincoln, okay, and they got it right here. Wait a minute, let me put this in the chat room. It's in my Facebook. I'm reading this. I'm like, God, no. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give it to y'all. Okay. They got it all laid out. They laid everything out. They laid everything out for you. They had nothing. Okay, this is Senate Report 93-549. Senate Report 93-549. Everybody listening to this call should read that. Let me see if I can put it in the chat room. Put a link to and what, War Power what Statute. Are you again? Senate Report 93-549. These these senators and everybody discussing it. Because they're trying to rescind it. They're like, we didn't gave the president too much power. We didn't gave these presidents too much power. And that's what he's saying. I, I declare how I can if I want to. That's why he threatened him. He said, like, I can declare. Y'all try to impeach me, all I'm gonna do is declare a national emergency. He got them in the blicker. They trying to like they trying to act like they can out all this power. Like Trump, like, man, look, y'all play that game with me if y'all want to. Keep on talking outside of your neck. And I'm and let me get real with you. Trump Trump understands his powers. Let me just say that. He understands what power he has. He ain't no fool. Everybody's president's stupid. Oh no, the fuck he not. No, he ain't. <laughs> I'll put the link in the chat room for you. Okay. But I appreciate it. I appreciate it, user. That's all I had. I just uh, wanted to. Uh, this is my first time actually getting to talk to you. I've been listening to you forever. So 
<laughs> hey, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. I appreciate it, dog. I appreciate it. We'll appreciate go back to the man. phone line. All right, peace, peace. All right, let me start with gallivanting around the United States. We're going to stop at next. Let's go over to Maryland real quick. 301 to 7820, you're on the line. Peace to the Elohim. What's happening, my brother? How you doing today? Peace to the oh, Elohim. My eyes, <laughs> my eyes opened this morning, man. I read the paper, and I did not see my name in the obituary. I knew it was a good day. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like Moses and everything. I mean, Moses wrote the Torah, you know, but it, somehow he died in the Torah and everything. You know, I was like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> I, got like, <laughs> I got a question for you. All right, go I ahead. heard you say something. I heard you say something about motion grants jurisdiction. That's right, because you're asking for a benefit. It's a request. You ask for a benefit from the court. Right. That's, so you now, ask for a benefit. All right, yeah, go ahead. Okay. That's that's the that's the straw man asking for the benefit. Well, like I said, you is can't that- mix public and private. If you're gonna, if you're gonna use statutes, use statutes. If you're gonna use con- contracts, use contracts. I uh, can't, you right. can't kind of mix them and everything, you know. So it's like everything is based off all, both in the public and the private. They both operate off of maxims of law. The statutes right. are just carbon copies of whatever. All law started with the private. Law right. originated in the private. They copied it based off principles and put it into the public. You see what I'm saying? So I wrote, it's a copy of it. I wrote, the, I, wrote, I wrote the judge in a memorandum of law and asked him, was all these statutes that we are citing in the FDCPA and consumer protection, was they formulated from the common law? Yeah, he, they were. Of course, of course, he won't opine on that, but he 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 put in there talking. We were talking about unauthorized practice of law, and I took something off the internet. Uh, case in Virginia with the union workers, where it said that one of the members of their group could could speak for them in in a, in a matter of law. So he he attributed that to sovereign citizens. Well, as always, he anytime you the- anytime you try to bring up common law or. Try to do anything yourself, they automatically regulate you to a sovereign citizen. I mean, you know, the reason they're doing that so much because so many people waking up. They getting, you know, when 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 that mortgage debacle happened, that was the first time I think in American history so many people, regular people, start taking up studying the law for themselves because they seen they wasn't getting no help from attorneys. So a lot of people right. started studying the law for themselves. So you got a lot of people out there looking at the law because everybody's waking up saying, okay, what are these people doing, you know. What are our public servants doing? It's our job to watch them. That's our job. That's right. We're paying attention to what we've been sent you up there on Capitol Hill. We're supposed to be overseeing you and make sure you're doing what we sent your ass up there to do. Mm-hmm. 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 So now, in, in, in lieu of a motion, what should be the proper form of introducing whatever you're trying to get done? I mean, the first thing is you trying to go. You don't want to argue. You there for you there for a settlement and closure, whatever it is. You the creditor. Everything is creditor and debtor, and every and every type of thing that's dealing with anything in the public is creditor and debtor. 
And right. only the only ultimate question, no matter what is it, what it is, is who is the creditor? Who is the creditor and who is the holder in due course? Well, the holder in due course is the creditor. Right, who's the creditor right. and who's the debtor? Right, so the holder in due course, holder in due course, you don't want to, you're the paramount interest holder. Right, so mm-hmm. all everybody, all all substance comes from the people. Why do you think they have birth certificates? Right? Right, why do you think they pledged our labor? Because they don't have no money. They bankrupt. It's on the public record. They can say whatever they mm-hmm. want. I be watching videos. Every time I bank, y'all nigga, y'all bankrupt. Y'all ain't got. Why are we using Federal Reserve? No, they say, well, you know, HJR got repealed. No, it don't. No, it didn't. It's Title Thirty One Five One One Eight. It's been codified. That code right. is still on the books. So please stop mm-hmm. with the HJR got repealed. All you got to do is take your ass over there and read it where it's in the code. Title 31-5118, rescission of the gold clause. So we don't have no gold and silver. All right, so they're using Federal Reserve notes. As long as you see Federal Reserve notes circulating, that's letting you know what it is. Right. You ain't got to ask no question what got repealed. Your ass still got Federal Reserve notes. Ain't no, other federal kind of money. ain't no other kind of money you got access to. Except this cryptocurrency, right. which I'm beginning to see, yeah, that's where we need to be headed to. Mm-hmm. And they're they trying to they trying to regulate that. So you know, you know what I'm saying. So it's like you know, it's like Federal Reserve Federal Reserve notes. In my in my opinion, is the ultimate nexus. All right, when they got rid of gold and silver, they destroyed your ability to do private transactions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they destroyed your ability So everything now They got a record and they monitoring everything Because you're using somebody else's script That script The Federal Reserve is a private bank Okay It is not a part they, of the Federal They call it an independent agency But it's a fi- right. it's private They're not beholding They're not beholding to, to anybody in the government Right Alan Greenspan told you that Yes, he did. I do remember that. Um, so now, in lieu of them taking the, uh, not in lieu, but when they did suspend it, they did infringe upon your. They didn't infringe on what? I don't your hear. unlimited right. Your unlimited right to contract. Credit. Let me ask a question. Credit is dead. They are the same thing. Right. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm just answering somebody said, saying something in, in the chat room and shit. Go ahead. Oh, uh, okay. No, you said the gold and silver. Uh huh. That they um that they um upon your right to do something. You said, and uh, I'm asking you that they infringe upon your right to contract as gold and silver was a medium for exchange. No, what they did was that's what they they merged law and equity. Okay, the, the contract clause in the Constitution protects your ability to contract. You have the right to contract okay. unlimited. All right, so they had to bring you within their jurisdiction using contract. That's why they went into the private and the private. So what is that um, that case that everybody likes to quote? Um, it tells you that it's uh oh I can't think of it. It's off the top of my off the tip of my tongue. Maybe I'll think of it in a minute. But there's a case that mm. explains that to you. But the thing is, is that 
they now nah, they can take away your ability to contract. If they take away your ability to contract, they take away your ability to free will, and free will is a immutable natural law concept. So that's why they say everything that happens within their jurisdiction is voluntary. That's also why they tell you that the IRS uh, paying taxes is voluntary. You voluntarily mm-hmm. using Federal Reserve notes. You're vol- you don't have to use their stuff to implement that they provide to you. You got the you got the free will to to do what the Amish are doing. Right. That's your free will right to do what the Amish are doing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Who gives a fuck right, well, if the Federal worried. Reserve is not a bank or not? See, they be just they be just in the chat room just talking about shit that really just don't it just don't matter. <laughs> it's just really not germane to what we're talking about, whether the Federal Reserve is a bank or not. The point is you right. use the Federal Reserve script. <laughs> I mean it just don't even that don't even make no sense what they be saying. But go ahead. Yeah, no, that you you pretty much and I take that in real quick because I heard you talking about that a little early in uh, uh, that qualified sovereignty situation. Qualified sovereignty is that um, the, the the United States is the insular cases. It's called the insular cases. Okay. They got a group of cases. Okay. All right, the United States. Uh, when you read the Federal Registry, okay, it tells uh-huh. you that in there that the United States sovereign. They don't never tell you that, but you have to read the case on the Supreme Court justices will tell you that. You know, okay. I think in uh, Downs versus Bidwell, I think it's the name of the case, uh, Justice uh, Harlan also discusses it. But the thing is, is that it's a qual- qualified sovereignty means that they have plenary power within their jurisdiction. Okay. Anything that belongs to the United States. All right. So a U.S. citizen falls under their insular possessions. Guam, Puerto right. Rico, American Samoa, the territories. That ten mile square in Washington D.C., all of the uh, all the federal lands, all right. Mm-hmm. That's all. They have plenary power over all of that, and okay. the federal government, uh, the judiciary, doesn't have any authority to tell them what to do. They can't tell them what to okay. do because that's why you have what's called separation of powers. Right. That's you can't right. tell them what to do when they got plenary power over something. So it's not what they call a justiciable matter. It's not a judicial, it's not cog it's not judicially cognizant. They can't take jurisdiction mm-hmm. over. Oh, and one more question I'm gonna ask you came to my head just now. Uh what's the whole significance of a non judicial state versus a judicial state? I mean it's a laws. I mean laws, you know, the judicial state means that they have to get a judicial order from the court before they can proceed with a foreclosure. And a non-judicial state means they don't. Right. They'll now, take you straight to they'll take you straight to an unlawful detainer or a dispossessory. Right. And in, in a judicial state they can. Okay, now, now now where's the remedy for is there a remedy for the non-judicial action? There's always a remedy and that's the tenth uh principle of the commercial maxim. A lien can only be satisfied by payment in full, counter affidavit, which I'm talking about counterclaim, and jury. Mm-hmm. You got to put in a counterclaim. And your counterclaim is what? Either recoupment, set off, all equitable remedies. All right, those are remedies. UCC 3 305. Recoupment. Okay. Or, right. or you have to establish the fact that you are a holder in due course before you can do that, though. Which most people haven't when it uh, when it relates to mortgages, they haven't. Mm-hmm. They haven't established that. 
because that requires you give a notice prior to. I got a I got a book in my. Uh, let me read it to you. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna read this to you in the file section of my Facebook group. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna read it to you real quick. Uh, let me find it. It is called uh, so many people putting files up in here. Uh, Damn, well, I got a lot of stuff in here. Uh, that ain't a lot. You got to remember, I was one that got your first Dropbox a long time ago. It sure, yeah. Uh, that was a lot see. of stuff. Yeah, it was. That first one was a lot of stuff. I still I still give people access to it. I just kind of organized it a little bit. Uh, it's on the SBC website. And where is this okay. damn book at? Um let me see if I can search for it. Got all this stuff in here. It's uh, let's see, it's a bank. Uh, hold on, make sure I ain't look, overlooking it. Ashwander. Okay. Uh, Uh, let's see. Looking for this book, commercial. It's a banking book. Uh, professional records. Secret Bankers Manual. No, not Secret Bankers Manual. It's not Secret Bankers Manual. This is act. This is an actual uh, banking book. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, Trade line, Credit River. Where I put that damn book at? Gonna say instruction. Uh, I'll probably find it after I get. Damn, boy, we didn't put a lot of stuff in here. Uh, race commission report, executive comprehension. Yeah, here it is. All right, bank officer's handbook. Let me put it in the mm-hmm. chat room. Okay. Let's see if this is it real quick. Put it in the chat room. Put a link in the chat room for you. I am the universe, boy. You've been coming in my chat room for four years, boy. You you must really love me and everything. Go on, say it. You know, don't <laughs> give it up. You've been coming my chat room for like ever since I've been on on block. No, see, about six years, I think. You've been coming in trolling me and everything. I love him though. He's been coming in trolling me like last six years. <laughs> see, um, right here. You see, I put the link in the chat room for you. Now, when you go into the uh. When you go right here in the, in the summary of content, 
You're going to see it right there where it says it's part two, number 16, holding due course, page 16.1. Uh-huh. All right. We go down to 16.1. Y'all see, I'll be reading all this stuff. I'll be reading all this stuff. I read a lot of stuff, you know. I have to because, you know, I got trolls and shit. They be just every fucking where, you know. I see uh, – 16 point, uh, what is it, 16.11 or 16.1? Should I miss it? And you're going to see holder in due course. And it's going to mm-hmm. tell you negotiable instrument. Uh, let's see, holder in due course. Uh, right here on 16.7. Mm-hmm. It says, for the notice to be effective, Okay, I'm on page 16.7, holder due course, I 16.012B. It says, for the notice to be effective to prevent a taker from being a holder in due course, it must be received at such time and in such manner as to give a reasonable opportunity to act on it. When a purchaser acquires an instrument and meets all the requirements for being a holder in due course at the time the instrument is acquired, later notice of facts that would constitute notice of a defense or claim will not prevent the purchaser from being a holder in due course. So you can't do it after the fact. See what I'm saying? You got to do it. That's what I'm saying. I read this stuff. And people will say, well, can I come after the fact? No, you can't do it at right then and there on the spot. Because that's fair. That's, that would be fair. Equity is fairness, impartiality, and equal. That wouldn't be fair for somebody to get an instrument and then they didn't receive no notice that there was a holder in due course, and you come after the fact when they start exercising the power of a holder in due course that you come and try to be the holder in due course. So you always got to give right. a notice up front. That's why I'm stressing doing these processes and everything. You got to give them advance notice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to check that out. I appreciate your time. I know you lit up on the board. I'm going to let you go ahead on. Okay, all right. Peace. I, I appreciate I appreciate you. Peace. Okay. Eric Cole, keep it rolling. Let's go over to PA real real quick. 717-9185. Pennsylvania. 717 Eric Cole. You on the line? Pennsylvania. Oh, he hung up. He jumped off the phone. Okay. Uh, let's go to area code. Let's go up to New Jersey. 908 area code, 0419, New Jersey. Hey, peace, Yusuf. Hey, what's going on? Usual. <laughs> Not much. Enjoying it. You're giving out a lot of good information. I just, uh, I wanted to, first, a lot of the stuff you're saying, it reminds me of one of, one of my favorite stories about, was when you kind of like implied or you told the judge that you were going to make him the trustee and he got all weird and said, you know, he didn't want to be the trustee. Yeah. I wasn't ready. <laughs> you know, I wasn't ready for when he said that to me, you know, cause I was, I had read that judge Dale document. So I, uh, he said, appoint him as the trustee. So I went in and did it. And he said, I don't want to be the trustee. <laughs> and you know, when he, yeah, the he way wouldn't... he answered it, it threw me off because I'm like, oh, shit, I must have really said something. And he just looked at me, and I wasn't. You know, in the book, it tells you what to do. but And when you go in and do it, when they respond, when they, like, accept. Like, you notice that a lot of people fuck up when they accept what you're saying. 
when they accept what you're saying, mm-hmm. you're, oh, man, I, he gave me an out. I didn't take it. You know, that happens to mm-hmm. everybody because they're, like, they're not ready for, you know, when it's not a pushback because you're expecting them to push back. And then when they don't push back, mm-hmm. you be like, oh, shit, he didn't push back. <laughs> and I no, got thrown that, off, you know. <laughs> but what it does no, is it verifies <laughs> and it validates the information. It lets you know. He said, I don't want to be the trustee. Well, absolutely. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing because the whole, like, everything you're saying today, and what, I mean, it, it, you know, it took me a little while and to re- for it to really sink in until you start really practicing this stuff. And that, it, like everyone says, it's all commercial. It's all business. Like, a secured party, to be a secured party is not a, a political status. It's a position in a transaction like either commercial or non-commercial, but it's all financial. So it's all like banking and shit, excuse me, banking and shit, either by private contract or, you know, some type that, of that's why That's why I'm looking at, that's, that's why I gave y'all that banker's handbook because that's what you should be studying. Because that's like what that, uh you know, banker told me, he said, you really don't need to be reading a Black's Law Dictionary. You need to get a Barron's, Dictionary on banking terms. That's what you need to be reading. Yes, yeah, it's a great book. Yep, financial investing. I learned so much from from that dictionary because you, it explains everything from how they're doing it on that side. Because even some of the stuff you were saying before, like where, like how people, I think some of the callers were saying, you know, they they got charges and they'll offer them like programs, and that'll like decrease something. Well. In securities, like with the, if you have like a securities investment account through like a, you know, some type of self-directed trust banking you're doing, just using the bank as an intermediary, not a broker dealer. Right. This is like, you know, a, a clearinghouse. You can, you can sign up for like advisory programs in regards to your securities that like, disqualify that you know disqualify them as acting as a broker dealer so they're not acting as a commercial bank they're just giving you advice which can help you but you have to pay them a service fee you're supposed to build that service fee into the security that you're asking for advice on but you know that's how it's done and then you sort of fire them after that or like you know withdraw like take you know you're not going to use their continued services you're going to the program but you're going to build the fee for what you did use into your your instrument, and that's called you know that's that's a program for uh, you know to release like uh, to give advice without liabilities, so it's covered by a fee, not a not a broker dealer relationship, and that's how a securities account is handled. It's sort of like it's, it just shows that like there's just some there's some moving around of securities going on there, and they're, the way they're doing business, even with the words they use, or it's just a different model, but the same type of transaction is occurring. I found that very interesting. And they're all, they're all programs, you know, they're not, um, you know, it's how you step, it's all like trust. It's how you separate it. It's how you separate the, the product from the service, from you know, the person advising on the service product. So everything has to be arm's length. And that seems to be, how it operates and, and the words are the transactions. Yeah, well, it got to be for the benefit of the beneficiaries and the trust. You know, when you say arm's Absolutely. length, you know, it's like, you know, it's not, there's not no personal interest uh, for the mm-hmm. trustee. 
Hey, I got we got 90 seconds left on the stream, everyone. Um, if you're listening on the internet, you're gonna need to call in. Call in number is 424-222-5250. All right. Got 90 seconds to get in. After 90 seconds, you can't call in. All right, if you want to keep listening, all right. But yeah. And what, uh, you just, I, I, what you just said is so important though about the trust because like, you know, I um I'm a, a administer trust in different situations and a lot of like, you know, the information I, I came up with on here has been very helpful. But like you said, you gotta get into it yourself and be original. But without revealing too much, I have used as being like you know, a third party intervener or what I would call sometimes like a a um a disinterested third party who's tr- who is just protecting their trust. I've gotten trust property released from from custody as being held as a as a surety by by mistake because of you know them applying general law instead of instead of the special law. So that it, it, coming out of trust like from that disinterested position that that third party where it's like you know like you could because you could recognize the you could obviously like you know not dispute the facts like yeah this is this is true what happened here is totally what well, that, you know, well what it is yeah, it's real just, simple i mean you coming in you have to establish that you have a claim that you have a priority claim mm-hmm. everything is about claims exactly. all right and you proof of claim your people say what's your proof of claim uh, you coming in a disinterested? Well, you're not coming in as a disinterested third party. You're coming in as a third party. You're intervening. You have an interest right. in the well, matter. I'm saying, as the trustee, I'm disinterested in the controversy here. What my my interest is: why is someone using trust property without notice to me? And I don't, you know, stuff like that. And I don't think, you know, making it like. That's my issue. That's my that would be my my counter claim, my cross claim in the matter to get my trust asset out of custody because it shouldn't be there in the first place, regardless of what what's going down there, like as far as the, the that controversy. So you know that's all I'm saying is how is is one way that can work sometimes depending on your indentures and your positions and whatever's in your trust. But it's like, yeah, definitely it's your third party intervener. You're you're trying to remove the controversy that is there by, and resolving your own thing at the same time. Right, right, right. Well, you know, like I said, it's, it's very simple. Proof of claim, you know, I, I understand mm. everything you're saying, but it, what it results down to, you have to be a holder in due course. You have to have proof Absolutely. of claim. Keep it keep mm-hmm. it simple. Uh, your proof of claim, yes, you have to establish that you have an interest in the property that is the subject of the action. Okay, demonstrate mm-hmm. what you're like. The earlier caller said, filing a UCC one into into the action. All right, when you're doing a secure party process, you are putting all your property in trust. Okay, mm-hmm. and the value of that property is being represented in the form of a bond and you're giving it to the treasury department to offset obligations in the public. It's really simple, but it's all private banking. Mm-hmm. It's all private banking. Yep. It's banking that is done because there is no gold and silver. All right. Mm-hmm. Some people want to use a silver bond. I can see how that, you know, 
I, I can, think people probably had trouble finding the show or something. Hold on for a second. I, I got. <laughs> a priority interest in property. Demonstrate you're the holder in due course of all, of all the instruments, and that you have to have have given notice. Everything is about notices mm-hmm. and claims. This thing is not that yep. hard. It looks hard on its face, but when you really understand what's going on, it's really not that hard. It just sounds complicated because yep. all the terminology yeah, is contracts. Contract. Yeah, it's, that's it. Just contracts and known. But uh, yeah, good. Good talk as always, man. Sorry, I know I, I went a little uh, above. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's all right. But, um, That's okay. Talk, but I, you have a great one. All right. Appreciate the call. Pre- Let me go to area 915. Let me dip over to Texas. 915 area code, Texas, 0068. Hello? Hey, you on the line. How you doing, brother? You, sir? I'm doing okay. How you doing? I'm doing good, man. I just wanted you to know, man, I enjoy your show, everything you do. I've been listening to you since I got out of the military a few years back. I fell on my face. And uh, just to give you a short story, I ain't trying to talk it here off, man, but, man, I uh, went through my paperwork because I caught a DUI. I'm one of them guys that went through wars back to back to back to back to back. I ain't never get a break. Try to figure myself out, you know. And during that time, alcohol was the answer, and I got out of that. But anyway, long story short, when I got my DUI, I got my paperwork. I'm a reader. I'm a reader and a planner. That's what I did in the military. So I guess they thought I wasn't going to read, and I don't like being called names, and I find that word debtor. And once I found that, I found you. I'm just linking everything together, and I'm just thankful. But at this point, I've been studying it for a while now, you know, and I know it's money in this. I ain't really about that. I really found myself spiritually first. And that's what really kept me coming back and listening to you. But my, my, I, I had asked you this question a while back. You might not remember, but I really just got two questions for you. The, the first question is, like I said, I've been studying, and I just want to make sure I know what I'm doing when it comes to how I'm going to do or conduct myself after the fact. And I kind of don't – I know you say you, you gotta, it's good to have a business, conduct your own affairs and things of that nature, but I kind of don't want to leave my family in the wind because my sister, I mean – she got a long rap sheet. If I told her I could fix it for her, I don't even know if that would be a good thing because she's just not in a good place. So my question to you is kind of what I said before. You know, how do you just not watch your family continue to struggle? And I'm just speaking to my sister at this point. But at the same time, this information she's not ready for. I mean, it's just simple and plain. Like, I want her to know the truth, but she probably won't even believe it. And if she do, I, I, I really don't know, you know, her outtake and what she would do with all of it. But my, like I said, my question to you would be like, hey, what's a good advice for me to at least not turn my back on my sister because I can't help her, but at the same time, I don't know how to, you know, show her the ropes and ensure that she does the right thing from here on out because she's in love with the system. I mean, she loves the system. It just is what it is with that. You said. I'm going to you know give like that everywhere. I'm going to give you a verse. For, I'm going to start out answering your question with a verse from the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 27. It says, many people were traveling with Jesus. He said to them, if you come to me, but will not leave your family, you cannot be my follower. 
You must love me more than your father, mother, wife, children, brothers, and sisters, even more than your own life. Whoever will not carry the cross that is given to them when they, uh, uh, when they follow me cannot be my follower. Now, you got to look at the principle of this. And you got to look through because yeah. you know, well, Jesus didn't exist and all that. What is that talking about? Mm-hmm. That's, that's talking about the truth and also that you are responsible for you. You're not responsible for your sister. Yeah, yeah, and and that's what I really believe it boils down to. I, I look, I look at her, and I just want the best for her. I send her documents. I try to talk to her, and she cuts me out for using big words. And this is before I even. <laughs> I'm like, you just just listening to you expand my vocabulary to the point you already said it yourself. My grandfather couldn't read, and he raised me. You know, he's still living to this day. He was in World War Two. He done a lot of things. He marked with Martin Luther King. He did a lot of things. I'm I'm active in your secure party group. I'm a, uh, right. I'm a secure party uh, university student from the ground up when you first built it. Lifetime member. Thank you, Jesus. Thank the most high <laughs> me. And, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I know I, can't, I don't have to make no mistakes. All I got to do is take my time and, and walk in truth, and I just don't want to leave nobody. But it just looked like that's what has to happen. And, you know, and I'm just – didn't want, not necessarily, like, confirmation from you, but it's just like, man, I know you might have heard this before what I do type of thing. But I appreciate yeah. that. That's a, that's yeah, it's, I needed it's, that. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, I, I understand, you know, it's like a lot of people. I mean, when I first started getting into, um, you know, when I, I, I should say when I left Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, that caused okay. a rift. That caused a rift between me and my mother. And uh, mm. a big rift between me and my mother. And, you know, we, uh, but a lot of times I had. I can uh, imagine. I had to, uh, you know, I had to put my pride to this. I would always be the one that would come to my mother and apologize and just respect my mother because mm-hmm. you got to honor your mother and your father, you know. Yeah, you do. You live a long mother. time doing that. Yeah, she, she's my mother. She's my mother and everything. Mm-hmm. And I try mm-hmm. to talk to her and show her stuff in the Bible and, you know, but she's not going <laughs> to budge off of what she believes in. And that's mm-hmm. her, that's her, um, you know, I went to prison, so uh, a lot of uh, uh, my family members didn't respect a lot of things I had to say because I of that. Bet. Because I can imagine. After, you know, after that, it was like, you, what are you, you, are you, this some type of new hustle you didn't come up with. That's all they hear, you know. You know, you know what I'm saying? That's and all, I'm like, this know? is a war, man. This is bigger than a hustle. This is, man, if you only knew. This is, man, this ain't no hustle by far. Yeah, you know? exactly. So, so that's going to happen, but at the end of the day, you know, you got your life to live, and you got to be responsible mm-hmm. for you. You know, Khalil Cabron, he's a Lebanese poet, and um, you should really read his poetry. Uh, Camille there, Cabron. Yeah, Khalil Cabron. I know this ain't recorded, so I'm got to write everything down. Uh, it's Camille called, the name, of the, book, the name of the book is called The Prophet. And in there, he gives some very Prophet. eloquent um, proses on, um, you know, uh, marriage children, mm. um, things of that, 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 you know, that your children come through you, but they're not yours. You know, mm. your wife, oh, you, wow. don't own, you, you don't own your wife, you know. And he gives a very yeah. uh, beautiful analogy about, you know, hey, you know, a, a husband or wife, y'all hold up the, y'all like two pillars that hold up a building, but there's space between you. You know, she has a mm. purpose. She has a purpose that she has to find here on this planet too. Her life just don't stop because she married to you. She got a she got a purpose yeah. here on this planet too, and you know everybody has a purpose. I teach my wife that. And, and let me say this too: 
that everybody has um, contracted when they came to this planet to have a certain experience. Some people may have wanted to come to this planet just to see like what it feels like to be a drug addict. You know, sometimes I wonder oh, wow. why wasn't I born, you know, cause I look at like people, I do a, read a lot of autobiographies and I, I was reading about autobiography because, and what led me to it is I was reading, um, something on one of the, I was, I was studying the Supreme court justices and, um, mm-hmm. one of them, I was studying her life and how she, uh, what it, all the way through high school and who her mentors were. And one of her mentors is a very popular, um, writer. And I went and studied him and I, he was born into a very, uh, wealthy family and, you know, just wealth and everything. And I'm like, why is it that some people are born into wealth and some people are not? You know, when yeah, we came, I, I, you know, I when we, that once you know, when we come when we come to this planet, and I'm, am I up in heaven somewhere? And they said, okay, when we finna send you down to earth, what do you want to do? I think I want to experience what it feels like. You know, I want to go to the ghetto. I just want to experience that. You know, did I, did I do that? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I don't think I, I really do that. You know, know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I, want, I just want the experience. And then you get down here like, yeah. I didn't make a damn smart choice. This motherfucker over here. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> hey, yeah I'm taking my mind. Hey, take me back. Let's start over. Yeah. You know, somebody's up there, you know, fuck that. You know, I'm, I want to be born over there in that wealthy family over there, okay? Yeah, Send me yeah, right, yeah, right there. You, know. you got these spots open mm-hmm. for right there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know that's right. That's just but, what I was thinking. But at the end of the day, you know, you have to you have to find out well, what life is really all about. You know, it's about you know, it's about being happy. It is it's about what gives you it joy is. and what being happy. And that's different for a lot of people. You know, I know for a fact that I don't have to have billions of dollars to be happy. And Maybe I don't. I don't. You said it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> Maybe a couple oh, yeah, of million. Couple million. <laughs> you know, yeah, okay. I, million, I, have, I don't have to have you no know. billions of dollars like some of these guys got. They got so much money they'll never spend it in a lifetime or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. But, you know, but the thing is, you know, even with the money, though, your health, um, having someone in your life to love, you know, you can get those things. I've had a lot of money in my life and wasn't happy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I I've had, you know, you know the businesses, all that. And jewelry, all that stuff, and then I wasn't happy yeah. still, you know. My health wasn't yeah. great. You know, I didn't have love in my life yeah. or nothing like that. But I had all this money. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I had all this money. And that's and taking when place that, for everything, but it's not good. Yeah, and it's not. You re- and then you begin as you get older to begin to understand what's really important. And what is important is your family. I know I know you want to leave your family, but you can't force anybody to do anything. You know, you can try to Man. be an example to them, you know, through your examples. Uh, you know, try to be a good example for, but people have to find their way on their own. I had like a, like a drug di- addict told me one time, there's this drug addict mm-hmm. I was locked up with. He was so funny. He was just funny. You know, he's just funny. You know, he kept lo- going because I've been locked yeah, up too, you said, so I know. Yeah, they come, you know, they come into the county jail. They might be, when they first come in, they just pull them out the street. They'd be drugged up. And then after they yeah, stay they there for like, a while, they, lie, you know, they, clean, <laughs> they clean up. You ain't got access to drugs. So, they start cleaning up, you know. So, you know, yeah, I used to yeah. talk to him Sober every day. And, all that. and he'd be telling me how he would steal his mama's stuff and all this kind of stuff. Oh, and I say, he said, man, I just yeah. don't want to do that to my mama. And then he just looked at me. I said, man, why you do that? He said, I just ain't, I just ain't ready. He just, I just ain't through. He said, I ain't ready. Oh, to wow. Stop. 
You know, that's he, true, but he feel, that's what I kept telling my true. mom, man. You know, yeah, I'm just like, true, you know, she ain't ready to, she ain't she good with she at. She don't want to change right now. It ain't true. You know what I'm saying? You got to be through. You know? you know, it's like even to lose weight, you got to be, be tired of being sick and tired. You know, you got to reach mm-hmm. that point. And everybody that's reaches so it. You know, but you know, but that's something that you have to make a decision for yourself. And some people don't have the will. You know, some people don't have the willpower. You know, a lot of stuff has to do with diet too. Your willpower, you know, like man. Fluoride. Oh my goodness, you said, man. You said two things in the last two weeks. I don't mean to cut you off, brother, but you said two things in the last two weeks that it just shocked me because I I was already thinking these things. One brother wanted change. You said, look, do a twenty-one day fast. Man, I've been yep. telling my family I've been wanting to do that. They all scared. They're like, yo, you need to talk to a doctor. You need to do this. You need to do that. I mean, y'all just be there for me. Stop panicking like I ain't doing this. My mama even told me, she said, the Pope don't even go. You got people that's in because she's, she's having the Catholic Church. And I didn't, I didn't gave her a couple of your videos. And I don't know if she's, you know, switching or nothing, but she's been watching it. We've been having a better conversation. She don't, she don't fight me with religion with that, but. I was. She was just like, you know, the Pope at her church don't even do 21 day fast, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't think I want him lead me if he ain't got no clean body. You know, I'm just, I'm just speaking out of mind. You know, I just wanted to be, you know, led by somebody pure at the end of the day. But that and you, how you said, hey, you just need like a quarter million dollar house, get somewhere and sit down, let's put this trust together and figure out how to live. Them two things in my life, like that, mean the world to me. You know, I don't want a big house because I want a ball. I got kids. You know, and I want them to have their own room. I don't want them to be on my nerves when I'm trying to sit in there studying the secure part of the process or something like that. Because I pretty much know the, the, the whatever, everything going on out the top of my head, and I'm trying to get to that point. So I want them to be comfortable and have a family and un, under the same roof. So it's a lot of things that's positive that you've been saying these last few days. It ain't even spooky to me no more. I just feel like this heaven sent. I'm supposed to be in this position, and I'm just thankful at the moment. I study every day faithfully, and I'm in school right now. And I ain't even supposed to be on the phone with you. I said, I know the truth about <laughs> and everything. I'm going to go talk to you, Seth. I hope I get in today. <laughs> hey, let you me know. go back to that fast. Did you tell your mother to read Daniel chapter 2? You know, you it's like. You write that down. Daniel chapter Daniel 2. Daniel chapter 2. And what it is, it's a very good verse. And um, it was uh, Daniel okay. when he did when he did his fast. And uh, he did a 20, I think fasting a lot. Right, twenty-one days. But not um, a twenty-one days. When I first, when yeah. I first learned, when I first learned about um, the twenty-one day fast was by an author. His name is Bragg. He makes that Bragg uh, apple cider vinegar that y'all see in the grocery store. Oh yeah, yeah, I do. I drink that. I drink that right. too for my um, he, morning if I got an upset stomach or something. Right. He has a book called mm-hmm. The Miracle of The Miracle of Fast. Okay. That's the first. I've seen that's that the, book. That's the first book I ever read on fasting. And then I came into the knowledge of a man named Dr. Herbert Sheldon. And he's the one that really pushed me to do my first fast. But those two good, those are two good books. It's called The Miracle of Fasting. And um, Bragg, he gives you pictures of intestines when people die and, you know, all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's, yeah, it's a really, it's really, really like good book. Yeah, really, really mm-hmm. good book. Mm-hmm. But Daniel, he did a 21-day fast, and it's a very, very interesting read. And, uh, you know, a lot of Christians, they'll call I'm doing the Daniel fast. and But they don't understand that this is uh, completely abstained from food, period. No food, mm-hmm. just water for 21 days. Wow. Your body, yeah, that's what I do. Right. 
your your, your body. I I done. I just I do. I apologize. Go ahead. What's gonna happen is you may have people leave your life after you do it because when you do a twenty one day fast, your vibration is going to speed up, and when your vibration mm. speeds up, you're not a vibrational match with the people around you. You know, to speak to angels, you got to come up to their level uh, to get ideas. Yeah, you kept saying that. Yeah, like the ideas, you see all these wealthy people, you wonder why a person comes up with an idea like Uber or things like that. Yeah. Well, what it is 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 that they are on a vibrational level where the ideas are at. And that's why you see like wealthy people are very healthy and in shape because they, they understand are. They're staying in the gym. You gotta you gotta increase um, your vibration because those ideas are vibrating on a frequency that you gotta raise yourself up to be in contact with. Mm. I, I don't know if people really know. I just gave y'all some serious secrets right now, but Man, I hope y'all. You, you, you've been doing that the whole time. Like the esoteric folder didn't even know it was there, and I opened it. And I said, "Lord of mercy, this thing here go down to the bottom of the floor and keep rolling out like a <laughs> Like I, I, I got. I, I to me, I have too much studying to do and not enough time. It's kind of like Cameron and paid in full with the cake in the face. You just hit me with all that knowledge. Mm, here you go, take that. And I'm like. Man. <laughs> I'm just overwhelmed. It's about frequency. frequency. You know, it's about frequency and vibration. And you change your vibration. Some foods are very heavy, like animal. Animal foods Mm -hmm. slow your vibration down. I'm trying to I'm trying to slowly get towards this vegan thing and I'm I'm taking the white with me. We we just slacked up off me. You know, we she don't she hasn't we haven't stopped. I realistically I was on Dr. Sabi heavy. Like I wouldn't eat meat. I got sick, you know, and all kind of stuff and I'm back. At the end of the day, I just know I need to do it the right way. I didn't really know what I was doing then, but I have slacked up. I do juice more often. It's a regular routine in my what life. Happen, I do. How, how you how you get yourself motivated with anything you do? You know, like one time when I got in shape, I was reading a lot of muscle fitness magazines. You know, I was just really okay. I was like addicted to to muscle fitness magazines, men's fitness. I'd read. I had a subscription. I'll read everyone. I'd read all, all the articles and everything. And me continuously doing that, I started idealizing the pictures, and I would hit the gym, and they say, you know, my body oh, changed. Wow. So yeah, same thing with fasting. If you, if, if you want to, um, if you want to, uh, you know, change your situation, start reading the books first, and then that's what's going to motivate you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they got one I called the mucus. Book. There's another real good book called the Mucusless Diet. The mucusless diet. The mucusless. I like the sound of that because you know that's yeah, gonna give Dr. me a Arnold, anyway. Yeah, his name is Dr. Arnold Eritz. I gave that to my father. You know, my father was kind of like, you know, little well, whatever, because he had, you know, he had prostate issues. And I, I said, man, I said, look, man, you need to. I gave him this book, and he kind of looked at it. I ain't never got E-Rich. that book. Yeah, I ain't never got that book back. And my father, he's a reader too. <laughs> he ain't, Oh, okay, he went, I ain't never get that damn book back. I said, man, get my yeah, book back, book back. That book works. <laughs> no, no. no, I ain't got that book. I, I, I get it to you when I get the chance. I can't find it right now. Yeah, that's right. how that goes. Brother Yusef, man, you a blessing to all, man. Brother, don't stop. You know what I'm saying? You need security. You got people on deck. I'm ready. You know, it don't matter. It. Oh, and my, my last thing. I ain't like I said. I, I feel like I talk to you all day, but I ain't trying to talk your head off. You you do a, you do the most for everybody so far, and I appreciate your patience, man. You got patience that I admire from afar, because a lot of things you end up repeating, and I'm I didn't hear it before, and don't even have a court issue. Like I'm gonna get back to the court. 
Like the police that pulled me out of the car and that maced me and all that. I'm coming for him. But we ain't getting to that. I just wanted to do my secure party and all that stuff first. But lastly, I just wanted to bring this to your attention and kind of just see your take. You know, this this for me, this is my consultation. And this is all what right. I got. Like, at the okay. end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm like, yo, I got the secure party set up. I know how to do it. I ain't done nothing. Now, like I said, I found you in 2015. I found the truth. I cried about it, got mad, all that stuff you said, and I got humbled, and I'm disciplined about it now. But my thing is, me pushing all this paperwork and doing the administrative process the right way and all that stuff, they say everything legit. I know you say open up a business. For me, I really don't know what to do because I'm I'm a vet, like I said. Um, I, I got 70%. I should up my it, but question, I don't like the VA. Let me let me tell you. I answer that question. Yeah, I know where I'm going. What you, okay. What do you love to do? When I started high frequency radio, I was um, I was doing mortgage, helping people with mortgages, and I got dissatisfied with that because the courts were changing, and I was wondering, well, what am I going to do? You know what? You know mm. what? What, type, what am I going to do? I didn't really know what to do. I was um, um, I w- I started going on the internet watching YouTube videos and I um I came across uh this video from a woman called Don Nicoleon. So some of my listeners, I know y'all know who she is. Her name is Don Nicoleon. Yeah, so I was listening to her and I was like, well, who is this sister, you know, on um uh, that's talking like this, you know, her fire and you know, I, I kinda admired 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 her fire and her speech. So I kinda yeah, I found like that, out I like fire. Yeah, I I I I, uh, I uh, found her on Blog Talk. Uh, her name is WGAG Radio. If y'all are interested, WGAG Radio is her handle. W-G-A-G. If y'all want to WGAG. Yeah, yeah, WGAG Radio. So I was uh, I started listening to her, and um, I um, I asked before that happened though. I asked the universe. I said, Look, I just want to do something where I can talk. Because mm. in high school, my um, best class was speech. And I got sent to contests and things like that. So I was always, and, and you know, uh, we had a teacher for a day at my, uh, at my high school. And my speech teacher picked me. I was her favorite student. And uh, she sent me to competitions and all that. It was a white lady, too. And uh, she was one of my okay. favorite teachers. She was one of my favorite teachers in high school. Her and my English teacher. That was some of my favorite teachers. And um, mm. when um, when uh, uh, when I so I, I said, well, what do I do well, and what do I love to do? Well, what I love to do, I love to talk. I got this loud ass voice. I love to <laughs> I love to talk. I love to talk. <laughs> I love to talk about yeah. stuff. You know, I love to teach and things like that. So I'm doing what I love. I'm doing so. You got to do what you love to do. I could do something yeah. else, but I love doing this. That's why I'm back on the radio. I had to say, I said, man, let me get back on radio. I know I love to talk okay. and everything, but you know, but it, it's a, you find out and sometimes, you know, you ask a person, well, what do you love to do? And it's not, the first thing you're going to say is, I don't know. And Man. you got, you got to really mm-hmm. sit back and do some introspection and really be real with yourself and remember your dreams. Don't ever forget your dreams. Don't ever. Yeah, I got them. They ain't going nowhere. Because, you know, don't let your like, dreams like go. I said, I'm in I'm in a school right now, straight A's in this diesel program, and I love. I mean, I'm a car dude, but I don't like. I don't want to work for nobody, man. I'm mistreated, bamboozled, all that good stuff, man. I hurt somebody. They try to do that to me again. I I just feel, I love myself more than that. 
But at the end of the day, you know, I don't want to work for nobody. I just do my own thing that way. So I'll figure out with the cars, man. I love restoration and anything with cars, building them, taking them apart. Everything that people scared of, I like. But I think that'll be my route to take. I just kind of, I got to get the secure party out the way. I still want to, okay, and I me, know when I do me, that, me, I, I want to pay me, for my school because my, my benefit's paying for my school right now. So I don't know. I got to figure all that out. Right. I mean, well, do what you need to do. Um, nobody's telling mm-hmm. you just to drop everything. That, that, that's one thing that I'm always doing, too, because I think people get the sense that you just got to drop everything. You, I'm not telling you to stop your life right now and become a secure party and just drop everything. You know, obviously, that's going to be a transition. That's a transition. Yeah, yeah. You got you to have a plan. You need to put your plan together. Yeah. And, you, and to, before you put your plan together, you got to understand where your end game is. If you can't see where you want to be, how are you going to have a plan? All right, the first thing you have to do is you have to visualize, well, where is it I want to be? And you got to understand is you don't have to understand the how. You don't never, ever waste any mental energy on how you are going to do something. All your mental mm, energy is going to what? What do you want? The universe mm. will provide the how because the universe in this infinite wisdom it, you you don't have the ability to foresee into the future all the possible variables that you're going to need and going to, all the people you need to come in contact with and all this to make your dream come into fruition. It's impossible. All right? So you don't need to worry about tomorrow. You don't need to worry about yesterday. All you need to worry about is right now. And in right now, all you need to, to declare to the universe is what you want. And, and then, mm-hmm. I, so, and so you have to make a decision. People have moved mm-hmm. anywhere because they have not made a decision. Make a decision. I got you, brother. That, that's floating in my spirit deep. I needed that. Make brother, a decision. You got me on. I got some. I got some decisions to make. A plethora of research to do. And I just. I want to say thank you again. You know, I'm. I'm a type of person. I'm a humble spirited person, man. I'm thankful for all that. Who correct me, you know, and, and not saying that you correct me, but in general, I'm, I'm I'm the wise man that's thankful for correction and not, you know, the fool that re, that repent. I mean, that don't want it. I, well, mean, I appreciate it, brother. Got, I, appreciate I got a lot to do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, man, thank you for what you do and keep it going. You said, don't ever quit. Yeah. All right, all right, brother. All right, thank you for calling in. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yes, sir. All right. Okay, y'all. That's going to be it for me today. It's a whole, it's a million y'all online. I'm sorry I can't get to everybody all the time. You know, I apologize. But, you know, I try to. I try I try to get to as many calls as I can. Hopefully, y'all go back and listen to this call. It's, it's recorded. It's going to be in the archives of blogtalkradio.com forward slash high frequency. You can go over there and you can check out that. Also, make sure you go over to our Facebook group and join. Uh, there's a lot of documents over there. We have a free membership also at SBC University where you can go in and get access to a lot of documents there. Or you can join one of our memberships and get access to our webinars. I will be doing a webinar tonight. I was supposed to do it yesterday. Something came up. I'll be doing a webinar tonight, okay, on trust. I'm going to also start doing webinars on administrative process. I'm, if you're not a member, it's going to be $25 for that. It's free for all members of SBC University. $25 for non-members. Okay, and with that, I want to thank you. 
Boy, I tell you, you know, sometimes I'd be like, damn, all these people, you know, it's like, wow. It's really, uh, I really, really, man, I'm humbled uh, by all the, uh, you know, all, all, all the, uh, all, all of the praise that y'all heap upon me where I'm really not deserving of. I'm just an average person just like you. There's nothing all that special about me. I just, I'm just in my lane and, you know, I'm doing what I love to do. And I love sharing it with all of you. And I thank you. If you want to support this channel, make sure you make a donation at paypal.me forward slash Yusuf L. And you can make a donation. I don't care if it's a damn dollar. I get it. Believe it or not, I get a lot of dollar donations, too. I think y'all, some of y'all try to be funny. But that's okay. <laughs> okay, well, you want a dollar, give a dollar. You know what I'm saying? Hey, but I, I thank you. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the dollar that you give me on my donation. All right. So with that being said, peace to all the gods and goddesses. And I will see you next. I don't know. I might be on tomorrow. I don't know. Just look in the archives. You'll see the shows and everything. But I'll be back on. Peace to all the gods and goddesses. Y'all have a wonderful day. I'll talk to you later.
very thing or thing that brought you into this motherfucker in the first place. And when I say motherfucker, I do mean motherfucker. Because Mother Earth is dying and we continue to fuck her to death. Play with your own squishy. Become the master of your own basin. And yes, God is watching you. But no need to be embarrassed. For the future is in your hands. No, the future is in your hand. Play with your own squishy. Radio, high frequency radio network.com.